Welcome to Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast for Black magical stories. Hi everyone, it's Bayana and Portia embarking on a journey through the many fantasy stories written by and about Black people. Currently, we're reading Legendborn by Tracy Dion, and today we're discussing chapters 30 through 32. You may have noticed that I mentioned it's just Bayana and I, and that's because Robin <laughs> is off witnessing a trial at the West Order chapter. But she'll be back and let us yeah, know how that went for, for her to witness <laughs> that trial. I'm sure she'll let us know. Yeah. There's no way that it's not going to come up in next episode. <laughs> um, okay, cool. But um, previously on Wizard Team, <clears throat> Brie, after the memory walk with Patricia, is like, Cell is a demon. How come don't nobody know Cell is a demon or tell me that Cell is a demon? So she talks to Will about being a demon, about him being a demon. Um, turns out that's just like what Merlins are. Um, and so Brie, you know, learns a little bit more about Merlin and Arthur lore, I guess. Anyway, so Cell overhears. He's very upset. In general, he's on this power trip because the uh, because Lord Davis left him in charge of the entire chapter, even though, you know, he's their peers, the peers of the people that he's supposed to be taking care of, but apparently there are no other adults who can do it. Um, also, the second trial happens. It's a scavenger hunt um, where each, like, one of the Legendborn goes with a page who is not, who they are not sponsoring. Cell, a last minute, decides that he's going to go with Bree, um, which Nick is obviously not ha- happy about, but it is what it is. Um, Bree does the scavenger hunt, but then turns out plot twist surprise pretend to be shocked um cell attacks brie trying to force her to reveal herself as a demon um and then another plot twist real demons show up and attack uh in the midst of trying to get away from them brie reveals her magic um but also shows that she's clearly not a demon she's something else um and then where we left off is cell taking brie underground so they can hide from these demons Awesome. I said I said the word demon a lot in the last like, ninety seconds. Somehow, really not as much as Cell uses the word demon to talk about. Right. <laughs> so you're not overdoing it because if the, yeah. Cell is the measurement for. Are you saying demon too much? Ask That's Cell. true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So starting off from where we left off, we start <laughs> chapter thirty with Bree and Cell in. Uh, I wanted to make a fun little pun on um, Unholy, the song. So they're being somewhere unholy, not instead of unholy. (laughs) (laughs) It's their little hidey hole um, that uh, Cell opened up under a tree trunk. It gives Hundred Acre Woods. It gives Winnie the Pooh Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, but it's, it does. <laughs> but it's not as like quaint. It's like dark, and um, they can't see anything. And um, Bree is afraid to breathe, and Cell is um, part of the reason why she's afraid to breathe because he's like, shut up! Like puts his hand over her mouth. And, yeah, he like, has this. He's like hand clamped onto her mouth, and then like leaning into her, like don't say. Her. He's like talking through his teeth. <laughs> Don't say a goddamn word. Um, and she is just I also, laying there like, I I can't breathe, but also, can they hear me breathe and my heart? Because I feel like at least Cell's hearing my heartbeat, because it's that, it's that yeah. loud to me. 
Yeah. And I also, I wanted to point out, uh, dirt is falling on her as the, like, hell foxes are walking above them. She got dirt in her hair, and I just am really, like, it's distressing to me. That's the dirt on your face. Like, if it's, like, it's hard to not make a noise when something's falling on your face. Like No, it's so weird, and you're just, like, and it's dark, and, like, you know what it is because you're in this situation, but it's still, like, just, Yeah uncomfortable and you don't know what could be in the dirt it could be some bugs it could be some spiders like you don't know it's dark ugh ugh yeah so she needs to walk around with her hair in braids and she needs a bandana she does she 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 needs she needs like like one of those open hats or whatever to put Mm -hmm. on top of her braids a turban something a brim or something she needs a brim to keep stuff away from her face Mm -hmm. just even though, like, you know, the braid, the braid hats, the ones yeah, that, like, so have, like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> she just, she needs, ugh, I, that's the one thing, and, like, I, you know, she didn't expect to be in this situation, so it's not like she could have completely prepared, but I think before, I feel like after the first wash day, I'd be like, all right, so I need to find somebody on, on this campus who can do hair, and then I need, like, bonnets, bandanas, caps, like, anything, because, I'm committed to doing this, but I'm not committed to having to, like, clean my hair every day. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. And, like, imagine if the Order actually, like, we know from Blood Marks that the Order has some black um, people who are, like, in, like, leadership roles. But imagine if it were mm-hmm. actually more friendly. Like, there was an Order of Rose of black women. Like, they would start initiation with Brie being like, hey... So this is what this is what the standard protocol is for a black girl <laughs> running around doing all this shenanigans. Okay, like we're gonna like, use this is your uh, your standard uniform hat. We're gonna use some box braids yeah. pronto. Come to the salon right now. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> There's just other considerations. Like you got it. You have like I just yeah I couldn't imagine even now with my hair in locks like I wouldn't just have it out. It would not be out because I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm just not about to be. I'm, like, I'm not going to be pressed about my hair. Like, I don't want to be pressed no. about my hair on a regular basis. Why would, if I know I'm going to be doing some athletic adventure in circumstances, mm-hmm. best believe I'm going to go that extra mile so I will not have to bother with my hair. This is why I couldn't be a YA fantasy character. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many reasons. <laughs> One of the many reasons, honestly. This book really just shines a light on, like, you know what? We haven't gotten to her yet, but I'm more of a Mariah. Like, I will be... Like yes. you'll catch me doing some things, but it's on my own time, and I will mm. I will remark upon your adventures. Like, girl, what? Excuse me? Oh no! Like that's crazy. I'll help you out, but I, that's crazy. That's a mess. <laughs> You're better than me because I would never, I, never. I hate this for you. Uh oh. Okay, so we're. Not, I'm sorry. We're bringing stuff up that we're gonna get to later. All right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, she is. Over here, questioning everything. Like, are can the foxes sense us? Because like they, she can hear them like snuffling by the entry of the door. Um, she's wondering if they can sense uh, like ether, and if that's how they were able to find them, or are gonna be able to track them as they move out. Cell tells her that um, they they shouldn't be able to sense them, um, but he do- also doesn't know because. He didn't, wasn't able to kind of detect them when they were on campus. Um, so it's only after they're moving that he starts to talk to her because, and he realizes, like, they start moving whenever they don't hear the foxes anymore. 
Um, and she realizes as they keep moving that it is not that they were in like a hidey hole cave. They were actually in a tunnel. Um, and it turns mm-hmm. out that the secret, the secret order, like this order. Has a secret tunnel. Right. Under the Has campus. an underground network, secret, which is also secret, like an underground network in, an, in the south. And you're using it for order business, but like underground, I'm it's like the opposite of underground railroad. It's like see, you you went you went that mm-hmm. way, and I went a totally different way. But you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here thinking about Avatar, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It was just funny that our brains went two different directions. <laughs> I was like underground, south, right. people moving secretly, but they're doing it for capital gains and stuff instead yeah. of like actual helping black folk out. Because of course they would, of course they would. Why would they? Mm-hmm. They would want to maintain the. Uh, we'll get there, but yes. So yeah, but like, it, but it's also like it's the they they're. I guess we already saw maybe that was last episode when Bree and Sal were like, doing the scavenger hunt before, you know, things popped off. And Brie was like, how come we can just go in and out of these buildings? Um, and so this is just another part of this. They built these tunnels and then built the campus on top. They were like, we know the campus is going to be up front. I think he literally says that. Um, yeah. For our business. Um, so we also have these those tunnels. tunnels have been there gotta, for centuries. Know. Those are century-old It's crazy. That's really, yeah. What were you thinking about the Avatar in tunnels? Secret tunnel. <laughs> I was like, secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. That's going to be the meme this week. I just. <laughs> I, I see it. I don't know um, why. And the thing is, is it didn't pop up when I read it. I was, I was, I was thinking like you, but then. <laughs> I don't know. This time here. The words secret tunnel secret together. Tunnel. You're like, excuse me. Just, it just went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait a second. Um, and so of course, as they're, like they're going through the tunnel, Cell's not just like giving like a tour of the tunnel. He's like, "What can you really tour in the tunnel?" He just kind of like explains um, that that mm-hmm. like no, it's centuries old. And then um, he starts, you know, going back to interrogating Bree because he's like, "Now that I got you where I want you, not I'm going to eat you, but instead <laughs> I'm going to." I am going to get to the answers to my questions because there's no way you're going to be able to get out of here without me. I I have the only you're the, I'm the only way in and the only way out for you. So you can try to walk around here and figure it out, but you're not going to. So either you're going to answer my questions or you're going to be lost in the sauce, literally. So pick one. Right. Um, and that's not really a choice. So Bree gives in to Cell's interrogation. Um, and that's when he finally realizes for real, for real, that she is just a magical misfit. (laughs) Um, And it's funny because in their conversation, as he uncovers this, he goes from being, like, concerned that she might be a problem to being like, oh, all right, whatever. And Brie is, like, partially... So upset. (laughs) She's, like, there's a part of her that's, like, happy that he no longer will be going after her like a dog with a bone. But at the same time, she's missed because she's like, Mm -hmm. I was the center of your attention. I was getting, you were giving me every threat in the world. Mm -hmm. And now, now, I'm nobody? 
Yeah, she's definitely offended. And it's very interesting. Like, it really, it goes with the, like, obviously the scene is very charged. There's mm-hmm. a lot of tension. Um, And so it's interesting where, again, like you said, like, she's used to being the center of attention. There is, like, this is a very cliche cliche term but there is a thin line between love and hate so like she's used to having that like that's like an intense feeling on on you and then suddenly for dude to just be like oh whatever like i'm unbothered i guess Uh, not (laughs) whatever like sure you're you're silly you're not a threat i don't care and she's like well i'm still like she's like i still have a mystery around me right like i'm still mystery girl all right right Like like you don't know where this magic is coming from. And he's like, you're not a threat to Nick. I'm not tripping. Right. Whatever. I think, I still think you're ridiculous, but that is neither here nor there it's for like, me. Has my to do actual my job. job, my J-O-B yeah. is protection and detection. Yeah. And I finally figured out what I was detecting was not like actual something that I have to protect from. Unless you're going to be a distraction. Right. If you're going to be a distraction, right. then I got to take you out. And even then she's like, uh, what did, there's a point where she's like, well, I could be, <laughs> I could be a threat. And she's like, he's like, well, if that becomes the case, like, I'll go ahead and t- turn you into the regents. You can be experimented on. And like, is that what you want? Like, I don't. That is like, it's funny. Yeah. So we're. It's just. It's funny because it's like, do you want to be a problem? Like you was saying, like right. you was over here mad because you was up. I was treating you like you were a problem. But now that I tell you you're not a problem, you're like, but I'm a problem. No, I'm right. I'm a you want to be a problem now. Yeah, because she wants. So if you want to be a problem, she wants to are be you going to be a problem? problem. <laughs> she wants to get. She exactly. wants to be sales problem, and that's mm-hmm. what she hasn't really pulled together yet. She doesn't realize that that's what's happening. That's what's going on. Um, so, so to note more about her, their interaction, because like, part, I love their part of their interaction that was interesting is that we learn that he sensed, uh, a flare of her aether that he was, what he calls it, at the quarry. So that was what kind of like had him sent, like caught his scent, uh, well he caught her scent and he was like, why he was so dogged on her? Because he, mm-hmm. uh, had caught her magic. And so he's trying to figure out like what is going on with her like what is she and when he realizes she doesn't even know what she is that's even more reason for him to be like girl you don't even know who you are girl whatever like it's just it's so funny I wrote like in one of my notes I'm like he goes from being like you know when we talk about like you know like he goes from being wrong and wrong to wrong but right like yeah you don't he doesn't actually need to worry about you girl like the way he's saying it and communicating it is out of pocket but He's not wrong. But it's not even that he's communicating. Like, it's just upsetting to he's her just, that he is yeah, saying it. Yeah, like, I would be like, yeah. And the thing is, is, like, she, I think she also realizes that it's kind of ridiculous to feel that way. Yeah. But you can't help how you feel sometimes. So she's just a little bit like, ugh. She's like, how dare. <laughs> I am mysterious and dangerous. At least to myself. Exactly. Like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> it might explode somebody. How do you know if it's explode somebody? And I think the other thing, too, is, is like, he could probably, if he cared, he could help her figure yeah. it out. But he's, he doesn't care. He's like, that sounds like a journey that, that you're with on. I'm not going to yeah. put the shenanigans over here. Like, you got it. Um, and it's hilarious. Um, and we also noticed that, like, he kind of tried to eliminate, uh, tries to eliminate with her in conversation what she might be a little bit, only as far as he can, like, is his very little amount of interest. 
Um, he's like, based on what I know from like my mother's studies, because she was a Merlin scholar, like you don't have, you're not uh, presenting in the way that it's supposed to present. And so she's like, so I feel like it's another chip on her shoulder for why she's miffed is like, this, he could help me. Like he could be a source of help and he doesn't even care. He doesn't even want to tell me what I could be. How dare him. Um, and I think it's just really funny. He does threaten to turn her over to the regions if she does keep Nick from being able to take his seat. And I'm like, the shade is, she is going to usurp that seat. So, honestly, <laughs> it's one of the fun, it's like one of the best things to know. Like, obviously, you know, it's a spoiler heavy. Mm -hmm. And it's part of the reason why we wanted to be spoiler heavy for this book. Because it's so funny to read knowing that she's actually Arthur be and they're like you know you're this anomaly you're getting in the way of our thing uh, Nick is like if I'm gonna be awakened I have to do X and like everybody's talking about this thing like it's coming right it's about to happen inevitably and it's really funny to read knowing that like she's actually Arthur it is and it's funny how like um like I'm trying I'm going over this a little bit um where another thing that's like key in her head to this is like this is the longest conversation she had with this man and she's like insulted by in her longest conversation ever with him he's just kind of like eh, whatever like mosquito you'll be a problem if you give him a larger mosquito and part of the reason why mm. he's like brushing her off is he's saying like she doesn't he doesn't expect her to make it past any future trials he's like you're not even gonna make it past like you're not gonna be a problem for me that long so i should get invested right and even if she does make do. it through yeah. she's like he's he's like even if you do you're still like you'll he'll probably figure out a way to like relieve you of your oaths and then you're gonna go off but you'll keep the secret because you care about nick so whatever like you're silly you're predictable i don't care it's boring that's basically <laughs> what he's saying he's like i'm bored <laughs> And unfortunately, he's, he's, the thing is, is like, again, he doesn't know specifically why Brie is here, mm -hmm. but he's not wrong in terms of like what their plan was. So and that's what I think it's like, as soon as he clears, as soon as his brain clears of the, like, this is a demon, demon like off there's, this is like a huge threat to the order and to Nick. As soon as that clears, he's just like, oh, like I see all of this now. I, that, that was clouding my judgment, but now I see the truth of this and it's boring. He's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm off to. I made her more interesting than she actually is. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the one who made this an interesting story, not her. Whatever. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm gonna let that go. I'm good. And it's hilarious. And again, he's he's wrong in the long term, but in the short term, he's and I love. He's Bray. on the money for Nixon. He really predicts Nick and Bree's plan to a T, and it's just like, yeah. He knows what he knows. He's talking to him. He knows Nick. Like, he knows what's going to happen. He just knows. Right. That's really what it is, mm -hmm. is he knows Nick. So, Bree is annoyed at this. And it's funny. Like, the one last thing before I move on from this funniness is that um, uh, as they keep, they're moving through the tunnel as this conversation is happening, and um, they get to a certain point, and Cell says, are you going to just stand there and gawk in the dark? <laughs> And you're gonna tell me to my face that I look stupid, like silly. Like you don't gotta tell me that. Let me, let me just sit in my silly for a minute, okay? You don't have to tell me to my face, sir. How dare you? Yeah, he's just he's he's just rubbing in. Very rude. 
the indignation. He really is. Um, and I, but I love this being their first like full conversation, and then also because mm-hmm. um, part of it is like he's the per- first person that she's been around that's seen her magic flare. Um, then she's kind of like in this place where she has like a moment of like, do I need to confide in him? But also like no, but also like right. how dare he. And also, like, this is the first person who's seen it. Like, yeah. she, Nick hasn't seen it. She hasn't told Nick about it at all. So there's, like, this Not other thing, Not even Alice, too. who was there the first time she saw it. Like, whenever she first right. came So, like, right. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because you can kind of see, even as Sal is kind of dismissing her, they are, I mean, even, like, we'll get there, obviously, like, as the chapter goes on, they have these moments of, like, connection regardless um and so it just like again cell doesn't care in this moment but it still sows the seeds for him to care in the near future i also feel like it's part <laughs> of her indignation too like imagine you have a magical ability and the one magical person that sees you with the ability is not impressed by your magical ability so you're just like <laughs> about how he was concerned about her enthralling Nick. He talks about how that's no longer a concern for him. Um, and he says that he has... He, <laughs> this is quote-unquote. Uh, right now, I have far greater concerns than the mystery of you. Not the least mm-hmm. of all is the likely imminence of Camelon, and such concerns also include the truly active threats to both Nicholas's life and the chapter I'm oath-bound to protect. And she's... Uh, he after she uh, responds about how she just can't get over how he has made violent threats on her life and how he's now no longer doing that. Um, he says, to be quite honest, um, he does still mean those violent threats should she, she force his hand, but at the moment he's reconsidering how he described her um, and he said, I should have called you silly and self-centered. And it's just, he really is enjoying Penny. this. On top of the fact that, like, you still haven't apologized. Right! Which, the thing is, he definitely says, like, I still mean that shit. Right. Like, so I'm not actually Should sorry. Should you feel to be a problem, all the threats I made before, I will make, I will They still through. stand, yes. but, so, but not like a, oh, my bad, I misjudged this situation. Not at he all. He just said, nah, I don't, like, whatever, you've lost my interest, but if you, if all the things I thought initially proved to be true, then... It's still on. I got nothing to apologize for. But also the thing it is, still stands. I think it's fun for him because he's reading, her, like, she read so many people in the last, like, two days so thoroughly, including him. And so... He was waiting for this he's, moment. He, he's finally <laughs> able to make her go, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. She's gagging. And he's laughing so hard about it all. Because it's true. It hits, it hits, a good read hits you because it's true. So she's yeah. having a moment. Um, he was definitely he used to he used to pray for times like this. <laughs> I feel like so secretly a Real Housewives of Atlanta fan, and yeah. this is just his time. Like he's 
oh yeah, we've been waiting for this moment, like, mm-hmm. all day. Um, so they keep going in the, um, in the tunnel until they get to the place where they stop. Cell seems like he knows where he's going, and he's also pulled out, like, mage flames to, like, show their way. Um, and he gets to a place where he starts muttering in a Welsh that, um, Breathe says, and then we don't, I mean, this is the thing, right? Bree doesn't know Welsh, we don't know Welsh. Um, so her observation is that these incantations, um, are similar to the ones that she heard William use for healing. Is that true? I don't know, because does she know what Welsh, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, is it a cadence that sounds the same, or the like, word? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so take my, this note with a grain of salt. Like, it might, like, they may actually be, like, similar incantations used for unveiling a hidey hole to, like, do a healing. Mm-hmm. But they may not be. She may just not know what's happening, right? Right, like, it could just be the fact that they're speaking in that same language. Right. Maybe they all have the same cadence when they do it in But also maybe, yeah, I was gonna say, maybe it's, like, the same cadence, or maybe they start a specific way, or whatever, like, but, uh, again, like you said, we don't know, because we know nothing about that. <clears throat> so, um, Cell's able to, Doctor Strange, shape his hands to, uh, open the hiding hole, and then he leaps the, uh, vertical equivalent twice his own height to land on the grass beside the door. He then whispers that they're all clear. And, like, within moments after Cell giving an all clear and him helping Bree up, they're, the uh, hell foxes show up. They fox their ways. They're, those foxy little foxes fox their way into being out of Cell's, like, um, detection range and mm-hmm. pop on up on them like white on rice. It's really unfortunate. I will say I did. I don't know why. I don't know if we brought it up before because we were talking about like them leaving Cell in charge or whatever. Like Lord Davis is definitely using him as a scapegoat yeah. and is trying to like, you know, put all of this blame on him um, for all of this stuff hopping off because like, again, he should be able to sense the Hell Foxes. The fact that he didn't before doesn't really make sense. And then on top of the fact that like, like you said, he said it's all clear, comes out, here they are. Right. <laughs> Immediately. Like they shouldn't have been able to follow. Mm-mm. So something else is like, going on although i think i know but well when we get there i'll i'll point out but um yeah so it's just things are things are going very poorly they're not going according to plan and that's the thing about (laughs) even though he is hot-headed or whatever he does tend to work with a plan like you can't keep um protection of a whole campus like that and not have a plan and strategies in place to get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made it through this tunnel network based on, like, his understanding of the tunnel network, a plan that he was strategizing around, and yet that still failed him because those foxes are outfoxing them at every turn. Um, right. So once he gets out, they're both out, um, and one fox goes directly to Cell, and the other goes towards Bree, uh, but the Cell, even though he's wrestling one fox, is able to, like, yell at Bree to make her duck, and the fox that went for her crashes its noggin into a huge tree um, instead of into Bree's face. And Bree is lying there, um, trying to catch her breath, trying to get it together. Um, and that's, like, the most she can do before another fox is, like, in the tussle. And let's see. Let's get where we are. 
Um, she finds herself writhing in the grass, choking for air, her brain screaming for it, but she can't scream. Not even when the health box lowers its head, pinning her with beady black eyes, and then leaps. It's going to land claws out on top of her, and she's going to die. She squeezes her eyes shut, waiting for its heavy weight and razor-sharp teeth. In a desperate, untrained move, I swing one fist up in a wild punch. There's a howling, howling scream, a deep squelching sound, a hot burning weight on her chest, and then blackness wells up to take her. She blacks out. Uh, uh, and then something hot, ugh. thick, and pulsing ra- is pulsing rapidly against her fingers. And when she opens her eyes, she can't comprehend what she's seeing or feeling. Her brain spins up and knits images together bit by bit. She is alive. The fox is on top of her. Her face is not in between its teeth. Because its jaws hang slack. Its two front legs are limp in the dirt on either side of her body. And her left arm is a mess of green ooze. It runs thick rivers down her skin and into the grass. Her right shoulder is twisted painfully because her fist and forearm have disappeared up to the elbow inside the fox's chest. And that arm is covered in red flames. Mm-hmm. Then... Disgusting. Someone screams. Who's screaming? Oh no, it's her. She's the one screaming. And <laughs> yeah, because this is disgusting. <laughs> it, is, it is horrific. I hate it. It is horrific. It's so horrible. It's really bad. It is horrific. And it's like it's like I'm glad she's alive, yes. but oh, and literally it was like her like, own black girl magic that saved her life, but in a painful, blackout, gross way. And I mm-hmm. feel like part of part of it is her dissociating from this moment is what caused the blackout. And a part of it is the actual pain that her body just put itself through to keep this health box from killing her. Like, she's just, mm-hmm. like, not completely here in this moment. Um, and, and it stinks, and, like, it's all, like, her hand. Mm. And it's oozing no. on her and on the ground. Like, she's just catching the brunt of it. Um, yeah. She, her vision swims. She yanks her hand back, but something catches her wrist. A sharp sharp-ended broken rib. Vomit rises and burns at the back of her throat. The screams start again. Again, she's dissociating because she's saying the screams start again, not I scream again. The screams, yeah. Um, I'm wailing as I try to extract my fist from another creature's body. Green, viscous ichor spills down its stomach. I pull too hard and that's worse. The wound pours onto my chest, putrid and rotting, while its tongue lulls to the side. Mm, mm, mm. Angry chittering and a hell fox scream rends the air, but I'm on my back and the dead demon on my chest, on her chest, is so very heavy. I watch upside down as another fox runs towards me with frightening speed. She pushes out the carcass, grunting and panting, but before that other fox can reach her, the sharp pointy end of a black metal spear pierces pierces, uh, its throat. The fox makes a gurgling sound and hits the ground and Cell appears at its side pulls the spear out, and then uses all his strength to slam the weapon through the creature's skull. It stops moving, and Cell leans heavily at the end of the staff, breathing hard. You know? Yeah. Gross. (laughs) What is this song? This guy can barely catch his breath. Save one of those who knew me. Like, she can't catch her breath. She can't catch her breath. No. It's really bad. Her arm is literally she one shoulder is like dislocated, our hand in on a sharp freaking broken rib of another 
body. The ichor flowing, just flowing on her body, putrid, making her want to vomit, inducing vomit in her own body. And then here comes another one. How? Nope. Nope. No. For what? That's my thing. It's for what? If I, I, if I find myself in, under circumstances where I'm like, this is not, how did I get here? That's, I, I don't need to be here. I don't know how I got here. When that happens to me, to I'm like, here. I don't know how this happened. And I when I know how it happened, and I will never do whatever whatever I did, one, two, three, the steps, and we'll never do those steps again. Never. And Brie keeps doing them. <laughs> she keeps doing these things it's with just... the order. And it's for what? I get it, but for what? Couldn't be me. Um, so thankfully, Cell saved her. Um, she asked about the other one because she's still frantic and he says it's dead. Um, he realizes that the fox that's on her body can't go until she extracts herself from it. So then he has to kind of like talk her through softly, but like, um, sternly to get the fox off of her. And it's him taking this kind of like lower tone with her. And saving her from the avenging fox that had come, um, and also the a whiff of his whiskey smoke smell mm-hmm. that make again she is dissociating, but the, her breathing in cells helping her come to. Um, she is what Bree notices while she's under duress, and she says it's between his tone and his hope, and also the fact that he's called her Bree for the first time mm-hmm. instead of Brianna. That helps her come through this moment. And I just think, I mean, like, I I feel like this whole time you've been attracted, you keep, bring, every time she feels a, a slight itch no, of attraction yeah. to him, she talks about how he smells. Every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if you don't realize you're attracted to this man, slash 19-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it's still, like, I think it's interesting, too, though, because, like, at least on on Cell's side, he just got through, like, reading her, calling her silly, and, like, you don't matter, and then seeing this, I'm sure in his brain, he's like, oh, that's that's actually still kind of interesting. I kind of want to know. He's like, hmm. It's kind of like, like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Wait, what's going on here? what What is this? Um, cause it's crazy. She has to pull her arm back, her hand back past the, the thing's heart. Yeah. From its ribs. Yeah. Like, she had made it all the yeah. way to his ribs. Yeah. I think she does end up throwing up. Yeah. yeah. Which, I, the fact that she held on for that long was crazy, cause, I mean, I have a weak stomach, so it would have been done. <laughs> I just got some things on, uh, uh. No, no, I would have passed out. Blood is blood at all. Like, I just can't. Um, and so yeah. the thing about, like, I was talking about her dissociating. Like, she's, like, actively just not well. Like you're saying, like, she's vomiting. Mm-hmm. She is, like, not doing well. Um, and even when they get the carcass off of her um, and Cell's holding it and drops it to the ground and it explodes and it, you know, becomes dust. But for Brie, her body is, like catching it she feels like the world is shaking but then she realizes it's just her like her body is shaking uncontrollably her pulse won't slow down 
and her chest looks like it's going to explode. Um, that's when she vomits, and then Cell drops to his knees beside her and says, you're okay, they're gone, but she doesn't feel like she's okay. And she crawls away from the stick until she can twist into a seated position, and she rests her arms on both knees. Um, Cell is watching her, and he his eyes trail over her head, her shoulders, and arms, and she, he notices that her magic is fading, and... Um, after it all goes away, um, he mentions that it was acting as a shield and it had burned off all the blood and cause her ancestors, they got her they got, <laughs> at least that much. Like if right. one of them could just, you know? just one of them could be like for vanity, just let me take care of this hair for her. I'll take care of that No, too. for real. Then she'd be really good. Um, but then, um, he... After he notices that all the all the uh, magic is gone off of her, he stands up and he's confused and he's like, "What are you?" So again, he like you said, he is interested because he's not only mm-hmm. confused, he's curious about what's happening to her and what does she ha- like this ability he's never seen it before. But before they can go deeper into being curious about each other, they hear voices calling their names. And they realize that those voices are Evan and Tor. Uh, Evan jumps over the wall and jogs over to where Cell and Bree are huddled. And then a blonde-haired figure... Oh, wait. Hmm? I will say, Evan is, you know, spoilers, is the demon. So, and isn't he, of it, course, he's one of the first on the yeah. scene. He, he's been, he, knows, uh, he knows where the hell boxes were. He knows... Yeah. yeah, he's he's been he's been orchestrating this. And also, it's funny that he's side. always there to like whenever Bree's having a moment with either Cell or Nick mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, he just be popping up. He be there because he's keeping an eye on what's going on with Nick, and if mm-hmm. it has to do with Nick, then it probably has to do with Bree because she's the one who's doing the stuff while Nick is being Nick. Um. So yes. Uh, a blonde blur comes by, and that is Tor, who is on top speed. Who and they explain that Tor went down about an hour ago, um, and that um, it's been at least about an hour where they had called everyone into the lodge for her like right. awakening, but they never showed up. So and Bree never showed up. Um, Cell's more inquiring about um, Tor's status. But then um, Evan is the one who is asking more questions about what they've been doing. And he uh, mentions the fading piles of Shadowborn, which, of course, he wanted, he wants to, like, he's like, why didn't y'all get take, getting done by these hell boxes? Let me know what happened. Um, but before, again, before they can get there, Nick shows up and he jumps the same wall and... He has re- relieved face, um, and Sarah's behind him. She asks, are you both okay? We didn't know where you were. Then Tor was called. Wait, no, that's Nick. Uh, then Tor was called, and then Nick notices Bree's bloodied arm. He's at her side in a heartbeat. He reaches with gentle fingers for her left hand, and then he rotates it, hissing at the sight. The cuts are long and deep, running from elbow to wrist, and the dirt and pebbles are sticking where her arm had pressed into the earth. Bree had not noticed how messed up her arm was because again she's just so she's not in a good place right now 
Right. And she didn't look, she wasn't looking. She was, she had the specific, uh. She'd seen enough. She had barely touched the She almost had touched the heart. So she, mm-hmm. she'd seen enough. She's done. Yeah. Um, Evan tows the pile of powder where the health boxes had dissolved and asked, there are three green piles and Cell's hounds were blue. Um, Nick then starts to question what happened, but no one, curiously, looks at, at Bree, because she don't know how to answer Sway. Who do they she all look nothing. to? Cell. Because he's the one And also, like, he's in charge, too. So it's like, what's going on? What happened? You're in charge. Yeah. You know, this is what happens when... He he was he was feeling himself a little too much, mm-hmm. and now everything is. That's the thing. Like I, this is it's so sad how I went from like because I y'all know, you know I was on Cell's butt this whole time, but then I get to this yeah. chapter and how everyone's reacting to him, and I'm like, it's so I'm I'm of like two minds. Um, again, this is one of those life comes at you fast type situations. You get real big headed about like, oh, I'm in charge. I can order Nick around, whatever, and then you fuck up, and now who's really in charge? Yikes. Uh, but <laughs> so also there's, like, like that. Power but is then always there's also... on, like, a limited thing. Like, you can only push your power Absolutely, so exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. So that's why I'm saying, like, in the, in the just, like, very short-term petty, we just, like, read the last three chapters, like, th- that's what happens. But also, on the other hand, in the more, like, grander scheme of things, you really get to see, like, how this power dynamic actually works. Um, and, like, you know, Cell is always kind of on... He has the short end of the stick on this situation. Yeah. He's, yeah. He was playing, like, the... So, of course, he was grasping for that power before. Yeah. Because this is how things are, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, he's... Play- he has on his side the fact that he never left. Like, he ne- he's always adhered to the rules of like the order mm-hmm. or whatever as far as anyone knows he's always been there whereas so he can play that card on nick like i got i'm the mm-hmm. one who's been put in charge i'm the one who's whatever but that's the other end of it all is that like nick doesn't have to nick can do whatever that he wants and he would be still like admitted to the order he can be prodigal all he wants to and he would still have space no one would outcast him so doesn't have to do too mm-hmm. much to be outcasted and everyone yeah. knows it. Um, and this is where we get finally get where Nick, who knows it, is actually pushing it. And that's this is where I like have a moment where I feel like, again, I felt bad for Cell before because of how young he is and for how much yeah. they've pushed onto him as responsibility from a young, young age until now he's still having all this responsibility on him without any support like i feel like that's i anyone under those conditions is going to be uh personality wise just not fun to be around um and that's like you know not totally on him like that's on actual adults not actually doing their jobs and putting it on a kid to do a job um but now i'm like having a moment uh moment where i sympathize a little bit more with him but also i'm like annoyed like he was having fun i think is what it is like he took him having fun away like we finally just see Saul being a little bit funny having a little bit of fun and he doesn't get to live with it very long and that's what hits me mm-hmm. he's like even if he has a little fun it's short-lived mm-hmm. even if it was at Bree's uh chagrin expense <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean yeah it's it's a it's a complicated it's yeah it's just very complicated 
And it's not really either Nick or Cell's fault. No. They were like, again, the, the Arthur and the Regents and everything. This whole dynamic, this whole hierarchy. Is ruining these, ruining these children's lives. Yeah. Like, these are literal children. This hierarchy and is the devil. It's really bad. Yeah. So, um, Cell's annoyed and he puts on his uh, annoyed, slightly, bo- slightly bored sorcerer face for everyone. But Bree, now that she knows him a little bit better thinks that she sees that he's nervous and rattled beneath it all. Um, and she says, Cell uh, says, uh, Hellfox is an answer to what happened. They almost fully materialized. They stole the Aether from my weapons. We went to ground, took to the tunnels, but they found us somehow. Evan walks toward him and Bree, shaking his head. But three, working together in the same location at the same time, no gate is big enough for three people to pass at once. Where did they come from? Okay. Yeah. Okay, He's sir. doing a lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Just go in and villain swing, Evan. Like, don't Do even... what you gotta do, boy. <laughs> go on and just villain swing. You don't gotta pl- play all these cards. Ugh. Like, come on. Um, sell answer and say ambush us at the graveyard. Three Shadowborn ambushed you, Evan frowns. You can sense a non-corp about half a mile away. How did these demons catch you off guard? Evan, you a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a crack in Cell's facade, and while when he can't answer right away, I feel Nick tense beside me. Did How did they surprise you, Cell? Nick asked his king's mage. Cell meets Nick's eyes, and I know then why he didn't fully answer Bree's questions and uh, Bree knows then why he didn't fully answer her questions in the tunnels. Cell answers, I was distracted. Tor's anxious glance between Cell and Nick, Evan's uncharacteristic silence, and the subtle clinch of fingers holding Bree's are all the warning that they get before Nick stands to change uh, face his king's mage. Distracted by what? Cell swipes his tongue over his lip, a nervous gesture that looks unnatural on his face. We haven't seen a Shadowborn uprising in 200 years. If you were planning one, what would you do? Use a scout and disable us first? Knock us off balance? What better time to disrupt our reigns than initiation? What better opportunity to break the table before it's gathered than to take out our king before he's called? You thinking like a demon now, Cell? Cell growls in frustration. It's my job. To think like a demon. Nick's brow furrows as he take, makes the connections. What does this have to do with Bree? Cell meets his gaze and says, The first Uchel wanted you, Nick. It called for the Pendragon. I feel like I, I, we had the pronunciation right the first so, chapter. I don't remember this. I don't remember this pronunciation. I think it's Ickle. Ickle. I think so. The first Ickle wanted you, Nick. It called for the Pendragon. How did you, it know where to find you? The Goracle needed simply to pose the page, act as a mole, to uncover that information, and it's only a matter of time before the mole exposes themselves. A shadow passes Cell's eyes, leaves him look away from his future king. I decided to accelerate the process. Nick steps towards him, and then he, when he speaks, his voice is deadly quiet. What did you do? The muscle in Cell's jaw twitches, but he holds Nick's gaze. 
Nick asked again. What did you do? I could have called the hound off her at any moment. Like, it, okay. <laughs> I just, it's, it's hard for me in this situation because I do under, again, like I, we talked about like the sympathy for that cell and like he's in this very complicated position. Um, and because of how, because of just like the way that this, uh, the order is structured, he is bound by like a thousand oaths. He's like forced to serve these people, you know, and like, I guess specifically Nick, who can easily go and come whenever he pleases, at least up to this point. Um, he's rebelling in the ways that he can. Mm-hmm. And I understand why he would want to do that and why he would push back against that. He's also fucked up. Like, I just, like, I don't, <laughs> like, this is kind of like, yeah, he shouldn't have did that. And also, you know, Team Bree. So, yeah, you're putting her in danger for, no, you know. For your own ego. Like, like you are- she doesn't, you're, yeah, it's like she, she doesn't have to be in your little, like, feud with Nick. Because that's the other thing, again, like, we talked about, and, like, as we see in the short story that um, Tracy wrote, like, it ends in this scene from Cell's perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, he did all of this also. Like, he was doing the, like, you know, he was, again, he, he's finding loopholes in the middle of, like, doing his job. So, yeah, like, him technically trying to accelerate the process and expose Bree as a demon is doing his job, but he's not only doing it because of that. He's also doing it because he knows that Nick will fill uh, his bloodlust and will know that the bloodlust is for Bree. And that's somebody who he cares a lot about. He doesn't feel, want to feel bloodlust or murderous intent towards the girl that he is like, you know, I don't know if they're like official or whatever, but the girl that he likes a lot and, wants to be in a relationship with like he doesn't want to feel murderous intent for her and he's also explicitly told Cell that and so that's also why Cell does it because he knows that it will hurt Nick so it's like all of these levels to things to this um and again it's not either of their faults like they're both put in this really shitty situation where they have to like be at not they don't have to be at odds with each other but like no one has set it up for them to really be friends. They've set it up for Nick to be above Cell, but then also Nick has his own issues with Merlin's because of what happened to his mother. And so there's just a lot of other things. And uh, Arthur can suck it, I guess. Like I, <laughs> The hierarchy, the patriarchy, Arthur and Merlin are shady. Like, like, the system. Like, how are you doing this? However many centuries, 15 centuries, y'all are still just, like, ruining people's lives. And they're, like, barely... They haven't even been out here, like, 20 years yet, and you've ruined their lives. It's so messed up, because it's, like, at any time, y'all could have tried to adjust things to actually better be better suited for people. So it's not even, like, even, like, yes, Arthur is the archetype and the pro- like the reason for the season, but, like, at any time, the Order could have been, like, oh, we're gonna update things, like, the Merlins are gonna have more power, you know what I mean? And they didn't do any of that. And it's all because in service of maintaining power and proximity mm-hmm. to power and being able to use it, right? 
And it's just mm-hmm. so frustrating. I was flipping, uh, before I get to the next action, I wanted to give us um, self perspective for a second. So I flipped mm-hmm. to the, uh, like, the second last page in a short story. Um, and so, and the second ask, uh, second ask of Nick asking, what did you do? Um, Cell thinks, when understanding hits, the blood drains from his face and the realizations ripple through him in quick succession. That his bloodlust has not been for a demon, but for a human being. That he had not wished death on just any human being, but one he has feelings for. Because Cell has had this bloodlust against Brianna. Nick has mm-hmm. also had this bloodlust every time he feels Cell that. felt it. Mm-hmm. Um, that he had not wished And it's death easier on- if you're like, oh, Cell's out here killing demons, demons, like, whatever. Yeah. Like, I can, even when he wasn't, like, in, back in the order, he could feel it. He's like, all right, no, Cell's fighting demons. That ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm going to move on. And it's, you know, you or just, maybe it's bloodless. So you're probably not going to just feel like nothing. Yeah. Like, really angry. You could maybe, like, move yourself yeah. away. Like, okay, I'm, I'm around people. Maybe I, I should leave because, yeah, yeah, for a little bit. But. So that he wished death not on just any human being, but the one he has feelings for. One who already has his heart. That I tried to murder the girl that he explicitly asked me to stay away from, not just for her sake, but for his. So when Cell and Nick's eyes meet, the ugly conclusion is a silent wound between them. Cell exploited their bond on purpose, out of cruelty Mm -hmm. and spite, because it would hurt Nick. Even after he'd asked, no, after he'd ordered and begged Cell not to. Even when Cell knew that using the bond between them like this would tarnish the part of Nick that was beginning to love this girl. Even though Cell knew that if he failed to kill her and their relationship continued, he would have to live with the memory of wishing her dead. Cell had every reason not to, but did it anyway. And he can't take it back, even though he wishes that he could. So it's like... And again, like, Brie is not seeing what's in his head, is not understanding this part of it. So when, like, I guess, you, or I don't know if we got to the point where Nick punches um, him. Oh, this is the next talk. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, like, she sees it as an exploitation of, like, their power. But on the other hand, like, again, there's their other, factors. like, there's other factors that she's not privy to. So she's seeing it as, like, Nick abusing his power in a way that she hasn't seen before, but it's also like, eh, but Sal abused his power in a way that, like, it was... So it was it's been, that punch has been coming. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, using the momentum of his next step, Nick throws a fast, hard punch to Sal's jaw. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. So, last thing uh, from Sal's point of view. He basically could feel the... He can in, um, anticipate Nick's punch coming from a mile away. So, he knows... He knows what's about to happen um, after he realizes how Nick has felt after having their bond like go through all this, mm-hmm. and um, so when he gets hit by Nick, he feels uh, like it's justified. Like he gets he gets why Nick did it. Um, uh, the punch knocks Cell back into the same oak that stunned the fox that was going after Bree. Nick must have put real power into his swing because Bree's ears ring with a crack of bone meeting bone. It happened so fast, it had to catch Sol off guard, 
that it takes a second for anyone to react. Sarah yelps and Evan curses, but no one steps in between them. Cell is against a tree, utterly still, his stunned expression warring with a visible urge to retaliate. Well, that wasn't exactly fair, Nicholas, he finally mutters. He pushes to standing and spits bright red blood onto the grass before dragging the back of his hand over his mouth. It leaves a crimson streak across his pale knuckles. You know I can't strike you in return. And in a voice made of iron, Nick says, precisely. It's like... I don't know. I feel like, uh, I don't know if we've had this conversation on this podcast yet. Or maybe we did when we talked about Amari. But, like, the idea of, like, physical violence being worse than other kinds of violence. Um, and that, like, if somebody does something to you and you retaliate by, like, physically hurting them, then it's somehow worse than the initial, like, offense. Um... I don't know. That just makes me think of that a little bit. Because <laughs> it is, like, he's retaliating, like, or Nick is retaliating. Cell doesn't necessarily, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, like, y'all could fight, whatever, but, or obviously you can't, but the, point, the idea is that, or the point is that, like, they're just, they're resorting to different kinds of violence, but they're both being violent towards each other. Yeah, and I imagine, because, like, we've we've talked about the fact that, like, Selbrook is, like, a threesome, right? And so, and the primary emotions right now are between Cell and Nick's uh, relationship with Cell for for the, um, the moment. And so, um, you have to imagine that some of the spite that he's talking about for, like, as he was having bloodlust against Bree and he knew Nick was mm-hmm. feeling it, it was spiteful in that, like, take that for your precious little relationship with her instead of having a relationship mm-hmm. you know what I mean and so um that's why I feel like there's a part of Cell like we know we see in the short story portion where he um is like he's expecting to get hit but he doesn't expect it to hurt um but it does and it's like cause he knows that he it's like it's not a good relationship you know like even just yeah. because it's a triangle doesn't mean that it's a good relationship on all components of it, right? It's like you mm-hmm. don't you don't want for to be in a relationship where someone's getting hit by the other person in the relationship, right? Like that's not that's a bad relationship, no matter what. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they are not the pinnacle of like they need some serious therapy both separately and together probably they, everyone needs to get away from each other to be honest they all just need a moment because they, like they've had to be with you they've been forced together for so long mm-hmm. they haven't been able to like reason out what to do and Nick even went away but he still didn't get a reason out what his full life would look like outside of the order right so right. it's it's a lot like he can't have been gone that long no. he's only 17 yeah. like wouldn't he leave <laughs> you know like like three years and then what are you doing when school right you know so yeah um to finish this all up um the two of them are like in this like tension filled kind of like confrontation of like they just like look at each other for a good moment um Brie is like thinking through um how much as long as she's seen them in a relationship with each other anytime there's been a confrontation and Cell has started it he's gone after Brie and not after Nick, and she's realizing now that that's uh, related to their power imbalance. Um, Mm -hmm. 
she re- um, she's also having this moment where, again, where she thinks she can see behind self-facade. She thinks that um, she sees tension coming off of Cell, no, even though he acts like Nick's violence is no matter. Um, and he even says, you don't have the author's strength yet, but you almost broke my jaw. Think of the damage you'll do once you've been awakened. And... Nick is still confronting him about why he was with Bree to threaten her and to defy him. And Cell looks away, but Bree notices that the anger seems like it's uh, directed at himself rather than at anyone else, that he had slipped up and his abilities had failed him, just like Lord Davis suggested that night in the woods. And here is Lord Davis's son, bearing witness to that failure and then punishing him for it. Um, Bree feels the urge to stand and defend him, but she doesn't know what to say. Um, and, you know, and the fact of the matter is, is that Sol was incorrect about who she was. So then, um, all that really happens next is that, uh, Nick orders Sol to stay away from Bree. Whether he is called or not, he needs to stay away from her and to never do anything like it again. And then he finishes it with, do you understand me, King's Mage. So he's pulling rank the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And Cell's eyes darken, then go flat and unreadable when he says, yes, my liege. And then Nick turns out another word and walks back to Bree and then helps her to stand and then walks her um, back towards the lodge. Tor and uh, Sarah fall on one side and Evan on the other to flank Nick for, uh, and Bree for protection. And they walk back the path. Um, but as they walk back, the only person that looks back towards Cell is Bree, and they uh, Cell and Bree lock eyes once more, just as the um, piles of the Hellfox dust swirls up in the air around them and then out of existence. So they they're triangulating a little bit. I mean, they've been doing that the whole time. So. Yeah, this is like the first like uh, physical, like pulling them all into like a triangle conversation a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or the first conver- triangle conversation, because before it's just been hinges, but now it's the yeah, yeah, right. And it's interesting that like at the end of this, Bree is the only one coming out of it with sympathy for Cell, even though she was the like like he attacked her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not like of the people that she did that he did wrong directly she's the one you know what i mean mm-hmm. like she was the brunt of that but i think also again like we we're talking about like she also understands she's been learning things about cell even as she's like disliked him and so this is like i guess the first time she's maybe seen what that really means for him um and so yeah she's coming out of it with just a different perspective than everyone else and so. she's i feel like it's also that she hasn't seen she's worn the brunt of his like that's the main thing is that he wasn't really trying to do an investigation if he really were trying to investigate mm-hmm. um and to be fair if he's watching <laughs> cop shows cops are the best people about they will go all in on one suspect and then mm-hmm. be like oh my bad and so to be fair he's not doing anything that like actual professionals have not done but 
uh, to his detriment, and he really should be better about trying to investigate and instead of having one um, all eggs in one basket being like more thorough an investigation. So that's what really effed him up, and I feel like Brie, um, because that part of her like sympathizing with him has to do more with like everyone makes mistakes, and she's finally seeing Cell having to live up with like the mistake that she's she's known this whole time she he's been mistaken. But because mm-hmm. she's been keeping things secret, has not been able to help him with that. And he's not approachable, so why would she help him with that? Um, and so I feel like part of her feels like she's not the reason he's in trouble. But in a way, she's kind of the reason he's in trouble. And so a part of her feels like a slightly guilty for that. Right. Yeah. Just, just messy. <laughs> And also, like, I wanted to uh, say that it's funny to me that Tor was there, and she was kind of like um, the Pikachu open mouth gift the whole time when uh, <laughs> she used to be into Cell for a second. That's what, like, William implied that she used to be into Cell for a second. I'm like, I want to know. Like, and she's like, oh, if she was like, <gasps> like, gasping or whatever whenever he gets hit. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm wondering. Or if what... they just don't care. Yeah. Or like, it's, like, yeah. I'm curious about that. Here on Wizard Team, it's no surprise that we love books. We also love supporting the independent bookstores. With our bookshop affiliate link, you can not only get all the books on your TBR, but you can support indie bookstores and BNC at the same time. And if you're not sure what you want, that ain't no problem. Check out our The Plot Thickens list full of recommendations from none other than Portia herself. Head to www.bookshop.org slash shop slash Black Nerds Create to treat your shelves. Treat your shelves. Oh, that's that's nice. That's clever. Oh my goodness. That's clever. Okay, chapter 31. Um, so Bree is back at the lodge getting killed by William. Um, and they're just, they're just being, William is great. He's like very good at being a fave, you know, like being a fave. Yes. But also just like, like the, the, I guess he just has like good bedside manner. So it's not, you know, all of what just happened was a lot. It was intense. It was disgusting. It was, you know, like there's a lot going on and he's just like cracking jokes about her, you know, like having this crush on Nick and all this stuff. Um, it just is like a good kind of uh, like Reporter. palate cleanser, I guess, mm-hmm. is maybe the best way to say it. Like after the heaviness of the last chapter. The teen being like, okay, drama. Have some William. Yeah, like let's, let's, let's get back to just like some fun conversation, I guess. Um, so they talk, so William does kind of let slip that he's dating, um, someone who is not in the order (laughs) and he makes it a point to be like, yeah, he's not legend born. That's for sure. Um, and says that like, we kind of get a conversation about how dating within the order can be very complicated, or I guess he says nothing but, trouble um because of bloodlines oaths and inheritances um he's like pages can date pages 
squires dating squires is fine but tricky because a squire's job is to their scion so if you're in a battle you can't go protect your boo because you got to protect your scion and so there's like again the oaths are really uh stringent right like you have to do certain things when they don't they're not just said for like pomp and circumstance like there's actual magic involved um and on top of the fact that like uh then he says and the warrior's oath which is the oath that the squires take to their scions is forever so even when you're done being a scion or being you know when you're done with that like once you've passed on and that magic is passed on to like the next person or whatever whether you're awakened or not like you still have that oath to that person um and he's like who wants to be with someone who's already emotionally and magically bonded to someone else for life um and then on top of that um Well, hold up. Then he says, um, you should hear the jealous snark that comes out of people's mouths at the selection gala. It's all order grudges and gossip and drama. Um, but even that's just awkward and inconvenient, right? So like, again, we have talked about and seen a little bit about how the order is set up. Um, and it's particularly like outside of wartime. So it's just a lot of like, you know, parties and and yeah and just like you know i'm here for the uh what's the word like the prestige of it and like the the things that i get from it i get the the money and the power and all that stuff um and it's messy because it's like yeah we're this like secret society and folks are dating within the things and you know we didn't uh make it but then now here you know what i mean like even the adults they have the they're coming out of all this stuff that they this history that they might have had back when they were like the scions or whatever um and that's not even to take into account the actual like danger and fighting demons and like (laughs) like the actual war going on um so uh william talks about how dating scions is a whole different ball game um 60 generations of managing bloodlines gets complicated um and so the regents had to step in and lay down rules for example like scions aren't allowed to really they just aren't allowed to have sex it's not necessarily that they can't like there's no crossing of bloodlines with scion can't with another scion. So it says no hanky panky, which is hilarious between anyone who could become a scion or whose kids could become scions in the line of succession. Um, if they didn't prohibit it, there'd be babies with two, three, four lineages running around and it'd be chaos trying to track who'd be called next. Um, and how the bloodline would be preserved. It's easier for couples where pregnancy is a hundred percent impossible. Um, but for couples who could get pregnant, they're screwed in not a fun way. So yeah, it's just like, it's very gross. <laughs> just politics it's, in it's, your bed. Right. It's like this is a this is a um like the fact that it has to be so highly controlled. Um again, knowing that like knowing the truth of who Bree is and who Nick is, like that also will it sort of like comes into complications. Sort of like cuz again, they're children, but it does get brought up in Bloodmarked briefly. Um, I think like pretty early and on, and Bree's like, they don't even, and Nick, uh, uh, 
William doesn't even mention Merlin's. Like, that isn't even, like, a consideration. Right. Like, the order. Not even a consideration that you would be dating a Merlin. (laughs) Right. And, like, I mean, I guess, like, like you said, like, Tor Tor and Cell did date, but also it was before they knew about Camlin. I don't think, I mean, they're also kids, so, like, I think it's all. There's also the like question of but when they, they start date? to take those things seriously. We don't seriously. get like a lot of tea on their relationship. Like we don't what know happened? What yeah. Happened. And then it's also like because Merlin magic is so potent. Like if she were to have kids by cell, like or if anyone was like, and they were a scion or whatever, would their kids automatically be Merlins instead? Like what? So it's like I I understand it in the sense of like it's all very complicated and trying to maintain these lines, but they also made it complicated. And they and have also isolated these people they, into this kind of society. So it's going to be harder for right. you to like, especially when you Because even the people they bring in, group. like if William decided he wanted to marry his boyfriend, like then his boyfriend would have to come into this situation and have to learn all of this stuff and have to be a, a vassal or whatever. So it's just like, they don't. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's just, it's just the, the, they're, they're, uh, it's, it's bad. Um, and so then there's, uh, hold up, sorry. So then, um, oh, so William says, um, it's awful i know the medieval then he says though it's sort of the modern fina more the medieval idea of courtly ennobling love that can never be consummated very romantic concept um, back then right and the whole you know like we touched uh fingertips (laughs) the yearning you know so much but But it has to but it has to be like at the end you know, I love a slow burn, oh, but no. the burn does eventually have to burn. Yeah, like it has to ending. actually burn. I don't. There like, has I don't, to be. It has no, to come need, together. I don't need my pints and uh, my inks and pining to be like drawn out. I I it need it to be, have. It, it needs to be resolved. I just need. Yeah, I need the re- a resolution, but I also need like I need to know that like it's a building up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we go from like fingertips like brushing into like back hugs. You know what I mean? Like I need that right. to be progression. And like something, you can't it can't really... just be we touch fingertips for fifty years right. and that's it. <laughs> like, no. I'm over it. <laughs> for what? Like you? <laughs> I'm running away. Like <laughs> I'm done. I'm okay, dead. over here. You're we're we're just for what? Like I'm must, yeah. I must be happy with this after fifty. No, no, thank you. No, no. Um, he says now there are rumors of a scion couple at another chapter who hid their relationship but the regents have spies everywhere they were caught and punished um so Bree kind of reflects on the fact that like no one has mentioned the regents whether they're pages legend born uh merlins whoever everybody who's mentioned the regents has said it with like some fear and uh you know, like they're clearly not great. <laughs> like they're clearly the ones in charge. We haven't seen them yet. Um, but they're like these all powerful figures and everyone, including like the actual scions, the actual like legendborn, are like terrified of them. Um so you know, they're they are the true villains 
uh, <laughs> of this story. As we have um, benched them accordingly, episode after episode. Yeah. So, yeah. Every time. Like, they, they have not, like, physically shown up, but they are... Felt. Their presence trash. is felt. Yeah. Very felt. Um, so then we talk about... So William is... Uh, he like you know they so as that conversation is happening they were like William is trying to heal she has a bunch of bruises on like her back and her butt and so Brie was feeling weird about that or was more like isn't that weird and then they kind of have squashed that feeling because again he's just a very like soothing presence he's like I'm not checking you out you're not my type it's fine just even I'm if, here to heal, like, even you know. I, even like, if, I'm even doing if, my like, job. <laughs> you were my type, like this, my not, I'm actually literally training to not look at people that way. I'm looking at people for right. medicinal healing. Like I'm not, I'm not looking at your body not, to out your body. It's not what I'm yeah. doing. Yeah, he's like, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to do my job, right. and I care a lot about doing my job. Um. So as that's happening, um, William does bring up a little bit about like her vitals and how they were different when they came in. So for one, she like passed out on the way from like when Cell was carrying her away at some point from the graveyard to the lodge, she passed out. Um, so William says like, I'd guessed at first that you would be in shock, but that didn't quite fit. High blood pressure, increased oxygen levels, shallow breaths, dilated pupils, typical signs of an adrenaline rush after a demon fight. I see them all the time. Fight or flight responses are inherently draining, and after an hour or so, vitals return to standard rages. But your numbers were subnormal, pupils constricted, slow, bre- slow breathing, um, sluggish heart rate, low body temp. Um, so he says, like, it's not typical. It was like your system had fired so intensely that instead of simply leveling, leveling out, it put you into hibernation. Um, so again, her magic is different. It's doing different things. And it's, I think it's interesting or like, I kind of appreciate in the sense that like she has Nick, Will and Cell and, you know, varying like relationships with these three people, but they all see very like, they all are, I guess part of it is they're getting like different pieces of the puzzle that is Brie and whatever is going on with her, but they also aren't like telling anyone for different reasons you know like nick isn't telling anyone because he cares about her he wants to help her whatever will is like i care medically but other than that it's not my business i whatever you got going on whatever sal is like you're boring i don't care anymore also like as your mage flame is petering out and wiping away the residue of like demon blood you're Mm -hmm. interesting you're interesting but i also again it's it's curious but uh it's not a threat whatever whatever so it's like but it's just interesting to me that like she has the three of them to keep her secrets for like very different reasons um and still like not quite she's not she even still isn't quite like she hasn't been able to put those things together um and again at least from will's like perspective or like on will's side he's not asking questions he's like i already know you got something weird going on but again that ain't got nothing to do with me so it's fine um <clears throat> so brie is kind of like trying to figure out whether she wants to tell will about what happened he's like cell has no interest in trying to help me understand 
nor would I want to experiment with him to figure out. I could tell Nick, but he was pissed beyond belief tonight and scared after Tor's awakening. Um, he and everyone else in the building are on edge. So she does, she's like feeling like, I mean, she's coming up with a lot of different excuses. I'm like, why not to tell Nick, honestly? Um, and I don't think she's completely interrogated why she, she sh doesn't want to like, tell. I, I thought she wants to like share one secret with Nick and the one secret with Cell, and she doesn't want them to have the same secret. She like, <laughs> doesn't I'm, want it to overlap. She's like, I, I think there's also something to be I'm said. I'm serious to both of my love interests. One of them knows one secret and the other. Well, Cell knows the secret knows about else. like he just know she doesn't know he's not the mother part, but he does know that like yeah, he Nick knows, and like, her have she's a plan not for here. her to not be in the order or whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, she's like, I want to be But yeah, she's definitely, him. like, been hesitant about telling him about. And, like, I don't necessarily think that's wrong. I think, like, you know, when you're in this kind of situation, maybe don't put all your secrets in one basket. Yeah. Um, she does consider telling Patricia, but before she can do that, or before, she, before the thought fully Form. forms, Nick wa walks in on her with her butt out. And so, you know, we have that very awkward... <laughs> situation where she's like screeches and rolls a blanket over her nick is like oh shit my bad he dips william is like uh in past centuries some courtiers wanted nothing more than for the an eligible king to accidentally see them naked so he is having a great time he yes. thinks this is hilarious they orchestrated um, <laughs> whole situations just to get seen naked by the king here you are right and she's like Please go away. Like, Shut politely, up. Stop out. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he, because he's what, like 20 or so, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So he's also just in a, like, he's looking at these two teenagers. And of course, like, when you're that age, you think you're so much older than yeah, uh, the, even the teens who are like three years younger than you, whatever. So I just know he's also just like, oh, kids, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> y'all are adorable. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so once Brie is fully healed, she's exhausted. She's like, I'm trying to go home. I need to pass out. And like, um, she, they, she and William go to the elevator. They see Nick, you know, very, very awkward, but they, uh, and again, William is, is over here with, with secret jokes talking about, call me if you need anything, Courtier Matthews. And Nick is like, I don't know, what, what is that? And Bree's like, you don't even want to know. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we, just, we just not going to talk about it. How about that? Um, so, yeah. So they have they have a moment. Uh, Nick hugs her and kisses her forehead, um, asks if she's okay. Um, Bree's like, I could sleep a full day, but I'm okay. You know, can relate. Um, and then... He's like, I never should have let you go off a cell alone. It was my rule three and I broke it. He challenged you in front of everyone, says Bree. It won't happen again, I swear it. He pulls Bree in for a soft, lingering kiss to seal the vow. Um, and then she says, this boy makes my chest ache. It's like, yeah, you're... She's down deep. Far, very far gone. It's only been a week. Um, it's not even been a full week with him. It's been a full week has it at quite, school. At the school. And they've like... Yeah, it's been like six days. That's partially why William is making jokes like these these kids, cause like these kids and their little and their hormones and they're <laughs> like they're little flings, like they're like it's like early on yet before yeah yeah I can see how early on um, y'all's relationship right now, cause this is this is like uh level one tier one relationship stuff right here. 
This is or it's a prelude to relationship <laughs> stuff right here. It's y'all are like, y'all are so cute kissing and cuddling and whatever, but then like, oh, saw your butt for two saw seconds. Saw your butt. And y'all both go into a frenzy. Your underwear <laughs> butt, by the way. Like, you don't even, you're not right, first of naked. all, like she's not completely naked. <laughs> she's not fully naked. But again, I get it. You, you that's not the situation. Yeah, no, I mean same. I'm trying I, to be I, in. I'm not even saying I would I would have done the same I thing. I were seventeen and I Yeah. No. If I were in my thirties yeah. and I was not, if I was dating and I someone, I'm like, yeah, let's see my body yet. Right. We didn't. We we're didn't clear this. Yet. You know. We're not. <laughs> we're not there yet. So yeah, it's just I know. Yeah, we're just saying from William's perspective. Child, children. He's having a key. Yes. He thinks it's hilarious. Um. So we do see like Greer and Witty waited up for her, which is very sweet. And then they talk a little bit about like kind of what happened from their perspective. Um. And then kind of, like, talk about the scavenger hunt, which was the whole point of this whole thing. Um, and it got interrupted by both Tor being awakened and... Um, Brie and Cell being out of condition. Cell, yeah. Brie and Cell going missing. But we do find out that Brie, Vaughn, and Witty got the most, uh, like, of the ether objects. I just want to, real quick, and I just thought it was funny that, like, Witty was the one who was more, like, trying to get, like, what happened? Like, what's the, what's the tea? And Greer's like, hey, we're gonna see how she's doing before we try to ask for a tea. Right. Try to ask what happened. <laughs> and then whenever uh, uh, Witty drops about the competition, Nick is, like, giving a look like, hey, she's not good. Leave her. Nice. Just, right. Stress her out. I just got her to come back and stress her out. <laughs> right. Literally. Um, but then it's super funny, like, too, that... Um, Last episode, remember Robin was talking about she thought Vaughn and Witty cheated or maybe had a little bit of a heads up because they seemed the most like alert before the scavenger hunt started. And like other than breathe, they got the most <laughs> like well uh, objects. And I'm like, maybe she Greer, was right. Greer was in a second. No, the the top two top three people were Vaughn. Bree That's what Witty. I'm saying. But I'm saying she said that Vaughn and Witty, they were the most alert at the oh, beginning. Vaughn, and oh, no. I was thinking Bree for cheated. some reason. I was like, Vaughn and Oh, Bree, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Vaughn. Vaughn. Um, so I was when I read that I was just laughing because I was like, she probably she, if she was here she'd be like, see, yep. like Robin's um, notion like, comes out for that, like hmm. exactly, yeah. like they were alert and they won. Um, but yeah, but Sydney Greer and Blake also um, like got uh, got they, a bunch they, they too. Passed. Um, they passed. Yeah, Carson only found two objects, and then Spencer got pinned went by one of Cell's hounds. Um. So, yeah. Um, apparently, Cell hasn't come home yet. Um, he's still got a bond, Tor and Sarah, but I guess, you know, sometimes you need you need a minute before. He was trying- And it's probably not good, too, even if he's, like, because he's already on edge and he had to, like, use all of that ether. He probably shouldn't. He probably needs to, like, recalibrate both emotionally and, like, physically before. This is very video game mind of me, but I'm wondering if there's like a Merlin potion or something that you can take to like restore your <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm low on my um, XP. I gotta go get an XP potion real quick. Mm-hmm. Give me a second. I'll be right back. No, for real. Um, <clears throat> so then they kind of talk about how, so next is the combat trial and it's Thursday. So today is Sunday. It's Thursday. They remember Lord Lord Davis was saying it was going to be accelerated and it was going to be six weeks, but now 
it's really more like a week and a half because Tor is awakened. Now there's only two other people. There's Homeboy in the Western or whichever chapter, and there's Nick, or so they think. Um, <laughs> and so, um, I mean, Nick will be awake, woken, but he just won't. He be will be, but it'll be a it'll be a different situation. It's, it's sooner than they think. Um, it's funny or, because like in this, not sooner, but in a different order than they think than they expect. I mean, and it's funny because it's the same day, the same hour even, but like, no. yeah, they both get awake at the same time. I will say. Imagine if he wasn't a scion at all. That would Lord Davis would be sick about it. Oh my god, he would be, tears. He would be in screaming, poetry, crying, would, and throwing up. I feel like all of his the poetry that he's like tried to immerse in his brain over years would just come out. Yeah, first it wouldn't make any sense. It oh, would just come he out. would glitch. It would just, yes, it's like yes, it's disappointing or like a, a shock to not be the scion you thought you were. But Was if you just weren't at one at all. And then all Ooh. those people who were sucking up to you all this time. Ooh. Awkward. Mm. Very awkward. Um, um. It'd be funny. But uh, another thought I had was like the whole time. So here's the thing. Uh, part of my hurdle into reading this series slash this book was I don't care about Arthur at all. Um, mm-hmm. I never, like I had a um greek mythology and egyptian mythology phase where i was into that stuff mm-hmm. but i never had an arthur phase um yeah and i had like i read some roundtable books because i was interested in like m- magic i'm always interested in magic so like the druids yeah. merlin guinevere morgaine that stuff i'd gotten mm-hmm. into a bit but i hadn't gotten into this and so i had been reading this book initially interested in who's the Guinevere, who's the Morgane in this, like, yeah. story. And I kept, like, yeah. not that I was actively looking for it or whatever, but I was, like, wondering. So when it gets revealed that Nick's line is the line of Lancelot and the fact of, like, Halbury is, like, the line of Arthur, I was like, so who's the Gwenny in this situation? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so... Maybe it'll come up in a future book. I don't know. But that was something that I was like, is uh, whenever we get the reveal about uh, Nick and Brie and everything and everything set up here about people like slowly Cam Lunt's coming, I'm like, I don't feel like we're getting the full picture of who all stakes are in this to mess things up for people. And- yeah, and I mean, like, I think they do. She does bring in Guinevere in the story of like how Brie, like how her line became like the line yeah. of Arthur. Um, so she's there in that sense, but not necessarily in, in the, like the present day sense or in the like um, legacy of the like the line, yeah. Like, there's no like, as far as we know, there's no like scion of Guinevere or whatever, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, but like, it is definitely, I think, the only I was never fully into Arthur either, but not like I just never thought about it that much. But I did read Avalon High in high, like when in when that came out when I was like a teen. So I think that was, like, the closest to this because it's a very similar, like, you know, this girl moves to the... Tab- is that Meg Cabot? It might yeah. be. Um, I, yeah. I like Meg Cabot, but I never got into I think I, like... I, I, I don't remember, like, so much, what I was like, I'm me... not going to read that. <laughs> That's the thing. I never had, I never had like, a thought or feeling about Arthur either way. Yeah. Um, but when I found out about Legendborn, I was like, oh, I read Avalon High. Like, I kind of... You know what I yeah. mean? I was like, okay, I could... I, I remember... But that was literally, like, my only... I think I've read... Frame of reference, other than just, like, you know, regular, just, like, lore that you just learn from 
osmosis or whatever. Um, but it was definitely, I haven't read, you know, obviously I read it. I don't even know how long ago that was. Um, and I only remember parts of it, but yeah, that was my only like real. And again, I, I really, I think I bought it because it was fantasy, you know, like there's magic. Yeah, that's, that's my that's primary. That matters. I, that's my primary. <laughs> my primary allegiance is magic and or like yeah. witchcraft. Um, yeah, and that's like I is it T. S. Eliot who wrote? Um, what did T. Somebody wrote? I don't like. I think I had a phase like um, when I was like in. I want to say middle school. Where I was like, I'm going to read some of the classics. Um, and I read something King Arthur. I don't think I read King Arthur, Kid and King's Arthur. Like, I didn't read Mark Twain stuff. I read the original King Arthur thing. And I was bored out of my mm -hmm. mind. But this is like during the mm -hmm. time period where I was not DNFing things. I would just push through. And the way that that left me completely and wholly uninterested in Arthur from there on. Because I was like, I pushed myself through that. And I have nothing to get take from it besides I will never right. pick up Arthur again. Like self bored at Brie, I'm bored at this line of Arthur thing. Um, not the line, the line of Arthur thing with Brie. That's hilarious. But the actual like the round table and stuff, you can't make it make sense to me. So I think it's funny that the more that we get into this book and the more they are glomming on to the system of the round table, like. Mm -hmm. That's not the interesting part. The interesting parts are the dramas around it and the ancestors that uh, are in, in the roots, but also the ancestors of the legendborn. Um, right. They really set them up, and we keep they keep playing along into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's and just... I don't know why I went off on this tangent, but I was just like, it just. <laughs> I don't know how we got I, here, but yeah. I think I had a moment real. where I was like, I'm a, a zooming in over myself. Like, we're over, we're really sitting over here talking about freaking King Arthur's court and F these people, like courtiers and the court. Like, ugh. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, But yeah, okay. So, yeah. So the combat trial is in five days, not like five weeks or whatever. Um, So Brie is a little uh nervous about that because she don't know how to fight with a weapon. Um. Maybe a cudgel, which is what she was using during the first trial. Also, I'm sure she feels a little self-conscious because that was one of the things Cell brought up uh, in the last chapter about how, like, Absolutely. she couldn't even kill a hellhound or, like, the hellbore without gravity helping her. So he she's, I'm sure she's just like, And he also said that she didn't think, he didn't think gonna, she was going to make it through the next trial. So he's like, I'm not even bothered. Right. Like, you're not going to make so it. So I know she's like, she's like, God damn. Like, so, she didn't, like, and she's probably like, dang, he probably knows when the next trial, he knew when the next trial was. So I was like, of course mm -hmm. he didn't think I was going to make well, it. Well, no, because I think it, it definitely got brought, it definitely got accepted, like, moved up after Tor got called. So... Who's to say if he even knows yet? Because he has He's still out up. there, yeah. <laughs> you know what? But yeah, I think that's so... What, like him, okay, so I'm sorry. This is what took me off my tangent. No, you're right. When Cell goes off on his own, it made me wonder if he was banding about with, like, Morgane or, like, Gwyn or whatever. Like, if there's, like, some, like, secret plot gonna come in with the oh, unknowns. Because he spends time alone. While he's out. And they keep rebuffing him in the order. So I'm like, ooh. 
is his mm. mom Guinevere? Like, who's Guinevere here? Like, what's going on? Right. Who, who is who is she? Who is she? Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so Greer and Woody are both like, yikes, hate that for you, Brie. <laughs> Which is kind of funny that they're all just like, yeah, we know. But you they're not fight. even just the um, other the smiley face that's like just the like, grimace, like the grimace. Yeah, they're just like, ooh, <laughs> sorry. But also, it makes sense because like everyone else has trained. been training for this their whole lives. She just got here, and it's only been a week, and so she hasn't really. And they had don't to know do... that she's the one who punched into a hell box just now. Yeah, exactly. And she doesn't even know how to control that, yeah. so she's still not. She's not winning. And she, has, like, um, she can't reveal herself in front of the whole freaking court either because they are not supposed to know she got that power. Right. Um, and so Nick is kind of like, it's okay. So he made a few calls um, to request that one of the lieges who trained him, um, one of the good ones, which reads, you know, not one of the one of the ones who didn't uh, abuse him, um, can lead the training sessions. Um, her name is Jillian and he trusts her. Um, and she was, she's the former scion of K. Um, and said, and then he says, you don't need to win every ma- match on Thursday. You just need to lose. Well, um, Brie is like that, you know, uh, losing is losing, <laughs> but you know, I think we'll see when we get to the trial, like we under, we know what that means. Right. Or we'll learn what that means. Um, part of it is not wanting to be. Like, just not being a sore loser is one thing. But also, um, like... Or learning, like, how when, to... When it's worth it to... Yeah, yeah. learning when... And, and, or, and also, like, when you're... You have no choice but to lose. When you gotta you learn how to match. do it in a way where you're not gonna... Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, they they go on. Nick... So, Bree then does kind of, like, bring up Cell. Um... And so she says, um, what Cell did was wrong, but I am lying to people. I'm not here for the same reasons as everyone else. And we both know it. Um, and Nick is like, what are you saying? He says, she says that he has a point. I don't belong here. I'm a distraction. Um, Nick is, you know, kind of hurt by this and surprised. And it's like, Cell used his powers to direct threaten a member of this chapter if you were legend born his oath of service would have burned him alive do you have any idea what my father would do to him if he were here um sorry to this wizard boy it's... but every time i hear my father would hear should hear about this <laughs> <laughs> my father will hear about this yeah i mean it's also like um yeah <laughs> true um so then Bree's like, yes, but he thought I was here to hurt you. He's just doing his job. You've said it yourself. I'm an anomaly. The things I can do. Um, he presses a finger to her mouth and says, not here. Which, again, yeah, like you brought this up in the lodge. You maybe need to just let's put a pin in it for a second. But also, again, like she is arguing. Or I don't know. She's not like 100% arguing for Cell. I think she's trying to like appeal to Nick not to punish him as much, I guess. Um, or even to maybe just apologize for punching him in the face, whatever. But again, she's not seeing the whole of, not not even like their relationship, but just the nature of what actually happened and the way that Cell attacking her affected Nick in a different way than like just, oh, you went against a direct order. Um, which again, isn't to necessarily say deliberately that deliberately disobeyed wrong. me. That's what I need. Right. Yeah. It's so I think in her head she's like, "Oh, you're just thinking about the oath specifically." And he's like, "Yes, but not in the way that you think I'm thinking about the oath, you know?" Um and so 
it's just interesting in this situation where they don't have they both have very differing perspectives on the situation um and have different information as to like as to the situation right like Bree saw Cell from the beginning through like you know him taking that hell fox off of her and you know helping her get her hand out of its chest cavity um and on the other hand like Nick as recently as a couple hours ago felt very murderous towards her and explicitly asked not to have to feel that way so it's just yeah this moment where they're having this argument over Cell um and how he's being treated and it's interesting that Brie again feels as a sympathy Brie is like Cell didn't hurt me um Nick says he's the reason you got hurt no he's not says Brie um and Nick is like how did how are you defending him now I'm not uh she groans Cell shouldn't have sent his help his hound after me but he's not wrong to be vigilant you didn't see those hell foxes um they'll eat the legendborn's weapon and armor steal it away leave all of you helpless um, which is not why I need to be able to trust my king's mage, says Nick. And right now I don't trust him, which is real. They don't have a strong <laughs> foundation here. It's like, but so, why should you trust someone who just had you feeling a bloodlust for someone you starting to have feelings for? Like, I right, you like explicitly went against what you and then like and again, it's like part of his part of Cell's job is to follow Nick's orders, which you know, for better or worse. But part of that is so that when they are fighting against actual demons that they're on the same page um and you he know, knew there's, that there's also a lot of yeah he knows that, that link exists so it's like you're exploit like i could see where nick feels exploited like he's like you exploited mm-hmm. this bondage you know that we have to make mm-hmm. me feel this way and i can't trust and that as that's happening my, my good nature like my best mm-hmm. for me best at, heart. at heart yeah right Especially with Camlin coming, like, um, he says, if Camlin's coming and I become king, I'm going to have to make hard decisions, but they will never be the kind of decisions that make it okay for us to turn on our own and behave as badly as Shadowborn. I won't be the leader that allows our opponents to turn us into reckless monsters, and that's exactly what Cell let happen tonight. He allowed his anger and fear to twist his perception of facts and turn him into his worst self. Um, if he succumbs to, and he stops, and then he says, that's not the type of warrior we can afford to take in a battle. So again, like Nick is thinking, like, again, they, they have their personal problems, but Nick is also thinking like a leader, um, which again, is hilarious because this ain't really going to be your problem in the same way, playboy. But, but to be fair, he is that. kind of like training Brie, who was the actual person. Right. And then like, it's like giving like it. his perspective on this thing and whether Brie completely agrees or not, or feels, you know, the similar way, like it is something that she has to think about or will have to think about in the near future. I mean, that's actually um, even, they, they're not allowing her to have power like that. So that's a whole, but that's a no, whole but thing. I mean, but even, but like, she still has to think about like, I would say in blood March, she still has to think about leading. Right. Because even when she spoilers, like has to go off on her own, she's, it's still her driving that journey. Um, but it's not necessarily in the same way, but there still is that uh, that conversation of like how, and I think she's not just getting it from Nick. She's also getting like that perspective from Patricia about Patricia talking about like this, uh, the Legendborns made this problem, right? Like there wouldn't be hella uh, demons running around if they hadn't come and like colonized and exploited and murdered a bunch of people. So like, you know what I mean? So there's all these different perspectives and they're all kind of 
at, right now she's maybe not completely processing, but I, but they will eventually go into like her own, what she decides to do, I guess. Yeah. She's like channeling the the, all the, we don't know she's what taking she in does, all the but... information and she, whatever comes mm-hmm. out of it, it's all going to come through Brie because she's the one who's hearing both the order side and the side of the Ruth and she's the decision maker mm-hmm. based on all this information that neither side really has all of. Yeah. Yeah. For lots of reasons. Um, so, so yeah, so they, they kind of like end the, the conversation there. Um, Bree is kind of worried about what Nick is going to do, but then he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. The only thing I do know right now is we both need rest, which is real. Like sometimes you, those are not the kind of conversations you need to have after the night that they just had. So they kind of like pause. Bree needs to heal. Um, the trainer will be there in 12 hours. He's got to call his dad by lunch. Um, so he's, he's like, can I drive you home? Um, Bree nods weakly because he's right. At the same time, she's like, nothing is feeling right to her. She's feeling very unsettled, like nervous. Um, yeah. So that's where, that's where that chapter ends the next opens with like thank god for saturdays she sleeps until noon which is like sounds great but she got in in the morning that's what i'm saying i'm like so that she slept like long for long. like six hours doesn't sound like enough she, she time gets some rest to get together she gets some rest but not really <laughs> um so she has to drag herself out out of bed so that she can like eat and go to the bathroom and um she kind of look like looks in the mirror realizes she she looks a hot mess so takes a hot shower brushes her teeth um adds a bit of water and leave-in conditioner to her hair and i'm like i think you needed more than that but maybe maybe though maybe the um like she had the dirt and like i guess if you're you can maybe get that out but with the hell beast whatever whichever one it was the fox i guess um the E- like her ether armor or whatever was protecting her so maybe it was protecting your hair in that moment because it was like because it was a point like cell looks at moving like you know because like the well dirt no but i'm thinking about the like laying, I... but then when she got up maybe it just like came off yeah but but i was thinking about like the ike all that stuff that was dripping on her when but she like gets up on it's her mostly body. gone yeah it's mostly more it's more of her body than it yeah. was her face and her head though I don't know. I just she probably just she probably like, does need to do more, but she's having a, a the most I can give you today is a pat pat and a spray, and that's all we got. And that's that's very real because she again she still has to uh she gets she she gets out of the shower sees a group text from Tor that's like dinner's at five training rooms open at six so it's noon she doesn't she doesn't have a lot of time and mm-hmm. honestly like she did all that like, she got thirty minutes she needs to go eat um, and then she also gets a text from Patricia so she got to meet Patricia at one. She doesn't have so she she's like Her thank God for Saturdays, gone. but this Saturday sounds stressful, child. Like you have not gotten actual rest. You you woke up and you just are Popped right on to the plans for the day. Immediately have to get it to work, which oof. um So yeah, so she goes to the um well she she's headed to the um cafeteria. As she does, she kind of is like taking in the campus. Um, there's, so she says, uh, 
There's a steady stream of students winding their way through the lawn towards the library to study because no matter what's happened to me, classes are still running. There's a quiz I haven't studied for in English on Tuesday, a trial I'm not ready for on Thursday. Nick, my boyfriend, partner in crime, co-conspirator who I want to kiss again, is one scion away from being called to the throne of a modern day kingdom. Actually, that's you. So sorry. Um, <laughs> a part demon mage claims I can create mystic energy inside myself, and he may might be right, and even if he is, I have no idea what I am. All of this, and yet the planet still spins. Um, so again, it's like the kind of reminder that this is all a big deal. There's a lot happening, but it's also very like very much just specific Sabri's plight. It's her, yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's specific to her. As and everyone her else is doing, like everything they usually do on a regular day to day basis. Well, she exactly she, she could be one of these people just normally just worrying about classes. Has she not decided to be after Brie and the lady decided she decided after Brie would be? It's true, except eventually all the shit would pop off and then she would become awakened and be like, what Which is be going helpful. on here? Like, I honestly, like, <laughs> a part of me wants to see how that's That's when the story me. opens with her like, I'm in class, whoop de whoop And then <laughs> I am one of whatever the line is goes through me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> whatever if the were actually is. like a, a, a baddie, and like Beyonce, and like I'm one of one. I'm the exactly. only. <laughs> I'm the only one. No, for real. That's literally her her awakening. And she awoke in the to be up to do the choreography from Renaissance. Like that would just be mm-hmm. like. And she's like in the middle of class, and everyone's just like, "What in the world is happening? What just happened here?" <laughs> um. So yeah, so she text or i guess nick texts her and is just just to check in um just asking how how she's doing she invites him to lunch but he can't because he got to talk to his dad um brie has a moment where she's kind of like nervous about that and how it's gonna go and then she realizes like nick doesn't actually have any secrets to keep from his dad must be nice Uh, she don't got because she hasn't she hasn't told him about the let's remark upon wow one child who does reluctantly speaking to his father is actually calling his father while she has a better relationship with her father mm. and she's not spurred to call her own father. She has not called the her only, father. The only way he's probably getting any updates on how she's doing, because Alice is on cam- off campus right now, is from Patricia, the psychologist. Right. And she's not even telling him the full yeah. details of this on how, so, like, how Dr. Patient Coffeeology goes, so she's basically just telling him she showed up today. We're going to meet again. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. <sighs> How is Jeez. Nick checking in with his father better than you are with your own? How does him saying, I'm calling my father, not spur you to be like, oh, shoot, I should at least text mine. Like, where are you? You'd be like, hey, pops, I'm good. I'm doing a good job. Going to meet Patricia. And then I have, Love and you. then I'm doing, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to join, an, I'm trying to try, uh, join an athletic team, so I'm going to be at training. So if you're trying to catch me from. Well, she did tell him about the, about being in a secret society right. or whatever. So but, like something, so. something. But oof, it's been a minute. Um, so yeah, so she, yeah, so she remembers that Nick doesn't know about the mage flames and has no reason to censor his report. Um, it bugs her that even though she knows he'd protect her secret, she doesn't feel ready to share it with him. Um, but at least this way he doesn't have to lie for her. He's doing enough of that already. Um, so after she eats a whole lot of food, she goes to, uh, miss, or sorry, to meet Patricia, um, she sees her standing with a young black woman just a few years older than uh, Brie. Um, she has large, dark eyes behind round glasses, red-brown skin, and hair that runs slick and tight against her scalp before blooming into a wide, soft puff at her crown. 
Um, so Patricia introduces her as Mariah. She's a junior and a fellow practitioner. Um, and then Brie is kind of like, uh, ain't this supposed to be confidential? Like, why are you bringing other people to my therapy sessions? Um, but Patricia's like, this is not a normal session. Would not, I mean, I'm like, have any of these sessions been normal? But, uh. Not yet. She's basically, I think she's more saying like, this ain't therapy. This is just, we just meeting up. We're just, you know. This is a link. This, this, uh, this is a situation. Not a, a not a not a therapy. Yeah. Not a therapy meetup. Um, so Brie, so she's Patricia's like, if you don't feel comfortable with this, like, you know, I'll, I can send Mariah away. We can do something different. But Brie is like, um, so because Mariah is a medium, so she can like, and that peaks communicate with the dead. Yeah. So Brie is like, you know, this is weird, but you know what? I'm actually cool with this because it means I could potentially learn more about my mom. I can speak to So Mariah says hi. Um, and they shake hands and she goes, wow, death knows you well. And I'm like, ma'am. I don't know who told you that's it's how not, you it's, make people want to talk to you, you as You should have kept medium? that one to yourself. You should have kept that one to yourself. I mean, I don't know if Patricia told Brie about her mom dying. (laughs) But. Not to make her sound like a death, like a, what is it, a guardian of death or something. Like, the death follows you while it's in your awake. Like, thanks. Fantastic. Like, uh, please, please, let's not. Let's maybe not. You shouldn't have said that. But. Oops. Um. So Brie is like, nice to meet you too. And she says, my bad. I'm a medium. I didn't mean to freak you out. So again, it is part, it's like her power. Um, so they offer her lunch, but Brie declines because she just had two burgers and what Some else did she fries. say? A large serving of fries. So oh, cheesy fries. So she's definitely bloated and... <laughs> I don't know. She's full. She's 17. So she might not be, like, her body she is She might not be sick. too, yeah. She, her body's she just might like, not... I'm good, actually. Like, I'm, I'm not even, like, in the mood to contemplate adding more on top of this. Like, I'm good. It's fine. Yeah, I'm good. But she might actually be feeling fine. Yeah. Um, so Mariah asked her if she's a member of Black Student Movement or BSM. Um, and then talks about how they meet up for meals, events. Um, they got a room in the union, magazine, performance groups, all this stuff. Um, Brie is feeling like she, uh, it's like she didn't realize there was a BSM. She's kind of feeling bad remembering what her father said about needing a community. There's another mention um, of her father. And again, no yep. items taken. For no problems. text. <laughs> um, so then reading her face, Patricia assures her that, you know, it's only the first week of school. No need to beat yourself up that you haven't found everything and everyone. I will say, and we kind of like briefly discussed this before we started recording. Um, so one of like, I think both of our kind of critiques or feelings after reading this book, um, before reading, before getting into Bloodmark, was like Bree's lack of black community, right? She's like infiltrating this white secret society. She's having to deal with a racism or three a day. Um, and she gets Patricia, but it's not a lot of that time. And like, you know, we see Mariah, but we're over halfway through this book. So she hasn't really interacted with a lot of black people in this book up until this point. Not yet. It doesn't um, have to be a lot. It could have been like one other black one, Right. That like, but she does, she has, she doesn't have that community. Yeah. Um, and we see like her dad talking about it and mentioning it and whatever, but like she, Brie hasn't. That wasn't a priority. Done that. Like, and so it was one of the things when I finished the book 
where, and like Portia and I have talked about it multiple times where we're like, it was like the one thing that felt like it was missing, especially in these situations, because you need that community, especially when you're doing all this mess that Bree is doing and you know that you have to be in those spaces for whatever your reasoning is. Like you also need that other space and like not really getting to see that community completely and fully showcased in this uh, book was something that like, again, reading it the first time around, it was a critique that we had. It was However, jarring. Like, as yeah, because, like, I was, it was just, it was, I don't know. It's a little different for me because I went to an HBCU. So I, I feel like people who have like have black student union um, experiences are different. I don't know. We just have different experiences and like wh- how we set out community, I guess. Is, Cause like, I didn't really mm-hmm. have to, wasn't like on like, that. yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, Oh, like I had to go to one spot to see black people doing, I mean, technically, yes, I went to one university to see black people doing multiple mm-hmm. things, but like there were like Caribbean student unions and African student unions and like mm-hmm. the soccer club and like all these other like things. And they were all black people. Uh, for the most part. Um, so it wasn't like I was look- going to any of those to look for black folks. I was going to those, on um, like, so I did Spanish club and model club and stuff like that. And it wasn't that I was like, oh, it's the only time I'm going to see the uh, black folks doing modeling or speaking Spanish. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. like, this is all the people that, like, are interested in doing this thing um, together. And we're all black because this is what right. we are. And for me, like, I'm not a joiner. My dad used to like be like, "Why aren't you in BSU?" And I'm like, "Cause I don't want to talk to people." So it's, it's not even that I felt people. like reading this book. Yeah. Like reading this book, it wasn't even like, "Oh, Bree's not in BSU; she should be in BSU." That was never the like thought for me because again, like I, I think in college I like did some stuff with our like, it was called something else, like our but our Black Student Union in college. But like I wasn't especially because I lived off campus too for most of my time. So I was like, if I'm done with classes, I got to get to work or I got to get home or like whatever. So it wasn't. But was it more like events? And again, like I said, I'm not. Yeah, I would go to events or like occasionally there would be like specific things. Like, um, you know, I was was in college during um, like in 2014 um, after Mike Brown and all that to like protests and like, you know, that kind of thing. So I would still do those things, but I wasn't like a member Um, But I had friends who were, and so they would let me know when things were popping off or whatever. And so, like, yeah, so, again, it's not the sense of, like, oh, she needed to be in BSU specifically. It was more the sense of, like, she don't have no black friends here. (laughs) And, like, this is, you know what I mean? Like, some kind of community, whatever that looks like for you. Because, again, like I said, I was not joining clubs. Any of them. So it wasn't specifically I didn't want to be in BSU. It was I didn't want to be in a club. Yeah. I feel like unless you're, like, religious... Because uh, I feel like black church experience is where a lot of the girlies mm-hmm. coalesce. Like, it's like, oh, like, even if it's not, like, student union or whatever, it's like, oh, well, we all yeah. do whatever together. Like, choir or whatever together. Or mm-hmm. I feel like the other place where black women, um, partic- usually, um, not to just gender it, but I feel like mostly that's who ends up in those spaces is, like, uh, I don't know. Because there's also, like, the barber experience as well. But, like, if you, like... Yeah, black, I mean, there's a lot of different... Like there's a lot like of different gateway, places you, like, have a and ways... That you have to get met. Yeah. And then that's where it's t- it tends to be where people, the community yeah. is gathering because you all have a similar need. And so that just becomes mm-hmm. a thing. That just, like, Right. Happens. And it's like... But it's just, like, there are... There are a lot of different ways to find community. Um, I will say I also personally, like, with my school, I went to school in the community that I, like, 
I went to school where I grew up, so I didn't necessarily need always need that community on campus because like I said, I would go hang out with my friends who were, you know, off campus or whatever. But in this case, she's super isolated. Um, and again, she's in this, I don't even mention part of it is like because of herself, but part of it is also like, she is on this mission. So she's specifically going into this place. That's like very extremely white and is that way on purpose. And so she, as reading this book, I just felt a lot of times I was just like the fact that she doesn't have a community, whether it's specifically like a club or something else was distressing to me, um, and my homegirls, but Again, also, we're reading this book very quickly. Yeah. You know, like we're we're reading it in the way that you normally would read a book. In this case, we're reading three chapters a week. And so you have a little more time to like sit with what's going on. So this moment where Patricia is like, it's only the first week of school. Like, no need to beat yourself up about not finding everything because you just got here a week. On top of the fact that she's been in these, she's taken two trials. She's been attacked by how many number of hell beasts on top of Cell and his threats against her life. And like, so it just was reading it this time just kind of shifted my perspective a little bit of like, oh yeah, this has only been seven days on this campus. And a lot of shit shit has popped off. She hasn't had time to go and like find BSM or, you know, even like talk to nobody in her class. Like we haven't even really seen her in class. She's been there. She knows she got a quiz on Tuesday, but she's not like, that's not where her brain is right now. Um, and if this had taken place over maybe a few more weeks or months, then I think I would be a little more, more like, okay, it. so like, where's your community yeah. at? But in this case, she ain't got no time. She's only had six hours of sleep. Like, like, it's just... funny too, cause like she, like she missed, um, like there, she mentioned that there was like, whenever like the first couple of days, people were like sitting around passing flyers and you know how people are passing flyers. They're like, oh, let's keep, no, I don't keep, need a flyer. Keep paper. I'm, I'm not good. doing it. Um, yeah. And we haven't even heard if there are, like, regular early college meetings or anything. Like, you can't just drop these kids on campus and not have, like, early college something. Mm-hmm. And we haven't heard that they have had any of those either. So, and it's like, yeah, it's been a week. They haven't, we haven't seen her actually go through her full schedule of, like, things yet, even. Um, so, it's interesting. I think that my first, like, I, I, we were talking about this ahead of this recording, I think, about, like, um, I'm really, I like you said, I'm sitting with like a lot of things that when I read it through the first time, probably I hit it, but now that I'm seeing it in a slower pace, um, I'm actually able to sit with it and be like the timing of things, not only like literally how much time has she been on campus, but the timing of like, she's going from quarry to discovering her own magic while also discovering this magical world of the order while also being attacked by demons while also being under fire by um cell while also going through with alice while also being in trouble with her father while also being in trouble with the de- like it's just like back to back to back mm-hmm. like the girl has no she rest. doesn't have time and a racism visit upon her every yeah dang. and i'm sure like after the like second the third racism i know she was thinking like dang there's nobody i can just even just look at that's my thing. <laughs> you know, that's what I think when I first Sometimes you have those moments like, where it's like, even if I'm not going to address this, I need somebody else to peep that this just happened to me. That's what I was And like, so she doesn't even have that. Yeah. And so I'm sure, again, like, I'm sure that there are moments where those, like, or there are moments where those things kind of pop up. But again, she doesn't have time. Yeah. So it's just an interesting thing I wanted to point out of just like how reading it, like, the way that we're reading it can really to, like, just be like, wait. shift your perspective but a little bit. To be fair, I was thinking, to be fair to my first version of reading this, me. 
um, I think initially I was thinking there's not a, like even another black early college student for her to be like like you know like right. are they not in the same like hallway or something if she's like or she just like oh like I keep seeing but her. I think she's just not paying attention she's it's not, not a focus for her right now it's, she's not trying to make new friends like, you know what I she mean? don't even really want to make new friends with the order I she just know. you know what I mean I know so I think but you know how you make friends with people when you like see like you see like oh girl like your shoes or whatever you're like in the like bathroom together and at least like yeah so people like let me tell you how like not to get deep on you but like uh I would avoid the police officer over there because he just misses racism upon people just so you know you know what right. I mean like one but, of those yeah moments. but I but again I think it's like like yes and I think it just is like she just hasn't had time. Yeah. But when we like reading Bloodmarked, it kind of like she's not even on campus anymore. So went away for me. It's a whole yeah, thing. first of all, she's not on campus. But also, it's like we actually get that thing that I felt like I was missing in this book. Mm-hmm. Although, again, reading it now, I'm kind of like, yeah, it kind of makes sense that you didn't have the time to. And find maybe me. it was written um, in. It's only point. been a week, which I just yeah. Maybe something was written yeah. in at one point, and it was just like. The priorities is to talk about the order and how Brie is going right. through the order. So we got to cut that. And you're like, uh. especially because this book is yeah, very thick. thick. And it's a YA, <laughs> so it's thick YA. So it was like, it's not, yeah. so, it's not even like an adult or whatever. It's like a fantasy. Like, oh, we we don't care if those are 800. We have time right. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, this this book is very uh very hefty. Um. So yeah. So that was just something that had come up for me reading this chapter. Um. We get more into like you know they just kind of talk a little bit more about their um majors so mariah's majoring in art history um brie doesn't obviously doesn't have that just because she's in early college she's not she doesn't have a major yet um and then mariah's like you're so young i didn't realize um (laughs) she says you're so young to be so acquainted with death which again it's 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 I just want to know how uh, Mariah talks shift about, in the conversation. I want to know how Mariah talks about death to other people. Because, like... Yeah. Does she just Girl. always talk about death? Is that her personality? <laughs> but I guess maybe not. Like, maybe only to other root crafters. But still, it's kind of like, ooh, yikes. Um, so, but Patricia says, like... So, Brie is like, how are you supposed to help me again? Um, and so they, they now pivot into, like, you know, getting down to the bottom of these... What's going on. So... Patricia says that um, after the memory walk, she kind of realized that one, Brie herself has a branch of root, one that gives her the ability to see root in its raw form. Um, Also that she's acquainted with the order of the round table. And so if that's true, it follows the only reason you're sitting here now is because the order is not aware of what you can do. Um, Brie, or sorry, Patricia then is like relieved and says, our people have learned the hard way to hide our abilities from them, even when we're working within their homes and caring for their babies. Um, so again, we like, we had that like small moment with one of the mamas, uh, or order of the white rose or whatever, who was trying to like treat Brie as if she was the help. Um, was it fits but again, literally now? like there was a time when they were the help. And so like, we'd have to, we're enslaved by these people. Um, I mean, and we'll have see to... it later on in the book, but there are black folks who were the help at a order function. Right, exactly. And so like, they know, again, it, for me, it made me think about like, you know, we talk, or like, it's a conversation that has come up a lot, um, just in general, in the world of black, like, marginalized people, and like, specifically in this case, like black people having to know a lot about white culture and how white people operate in order to navigate, be safe, 
like know when it's safe to you know portray themselves in a certain way whatever or just to move in the world they have to we have to know like the way that y'all move um or the way they move um and so in this case it's like the same thing just with some magic added on top of it you know what i mean like these root crafters having to like patricia knows a lot about the order of the round table just on the virtue of like she has to so that she knows how to hide her own magic yeah. and stay safe from those people um i want to hear and like so, crafting fairy tales about them folks like how they treat how they teach young kids like over time to be wary mm-hmm. of the order like you might see some white mm-hmm. folks working some magic and think that they're on your side they're not run right. away do not let them see right. you doing your magic exactly um and again knowing that like they will literally like we've talked we've heard about the regents and how they like to maintain control um so yeah so um Bree hadn't considered that and feels foolish for not asking about it earlier. How did the root crafters hide all they could do from the scion squires, pages, or anyone who took the first the first oath granting sight? Um, and she says, Patricia says, we can be plenty invisible when they want us to be. Uh, Rootcraft knows of their origins, their mission, and how they use their ether to fight the crossroads creatures. We also know from experience what they do to outsiders who use power, how they take them away, lock them up, or worse. Um... So Brie quickly reassures them that she did not say tell them anything about her and, like, kept them, you know. She's like, I already had a feeling it was a bad idea to uh, to say anything um, about you and your powers and all that kind of stuff. Um, so Mariah, though, is confused and is like, I, don't, I still don't understand, like, why you're in this uh, good old boys club, twisting yourself all up in, into a shape that's convenient for them. Um, and so Brie has this moment where she's like, she could lie, right? She could keep it a secret. Um, but she is exhausted. Um, and she's tired and she's, yeah, literally. (laughs) Um, and she's like thinking about, um, I could, I could, Right. She, but she's also, she says, I can, I could argue that the order's not all white, that Sarah's there. But then I remember what she said about her dad and the dinner parties and get tired all over again. They're both doing a version of the same contortionist act, um, that I'm doing, figuring out how to survive in water that, you know, has sharks because you have to. Um, so she, and she was like realizing again, we're getting the community part. It's a short, it's brief. We don't get to like really sit in it for that long, but she realizes she doesn't feel that with Mariah and Patricia. Um, she acknowledges that Alice is her safe space, um, her home, and that would never change. But it's been months since she's held space with another black woman. Um, with only. Or with only black women. And it's not just safe. It's a release. Lying to them right now feels like the straw that will break my back. And I can't afford to, for my back to break. Not now. So, yeah. So, we, we do get this moment of her just being like, okay, this is the community that I've been missing. And even if she hasn't been able to like acknowledge it up until this point, um, she's kind of realizing that now. So she actually then explains everything starting from like her mom and like the fact that she's trying to figure out who killed them or who killed her um, and thinking that they're in the order. Um, 
she's like, if I pass their trials, I gain a title in their world and they'll trust me. I can ask more questions, get answers, and then I'll get proof. Um, and so she, she, she has her, uh, you know, she's, uh, Tracy has compared Brie to Revenge Katara, not to bring up Avatar twice in this episode, but, um, that is a comp for her character. And so this is definitely like a big moment for that where Patricia is like, you seek revenge. Oh, wait a minute, real quick. Um, I, oh, yeah. I think it's interesting that Brie, when she's having a moment, when she's like, "I this is where she can release, and it's the only time she's had a moment to be only with black women. Um, it's like she's also trying to make clear to them that she is aware of, like, her situation and, like, where... Right, she hasn't bought into their... Their ethos or whatever. Propaganda and, yeah. yeah. Um, and so she says, says to them, I think it's very interesting, like, I, it's very telling that she says, um, I'm not with them, I'm against them, um, to Patricia mm-hmm. and Mariah. So she's like, make, let's make clear my loyalties lie. Like, it's like, I'm right. infiltrating, I am not with them. I am, I'm among them, but I'm not right. with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so... Bree's eyes flutter. That specific word has never fallen from her mouth, but it didn't need to. It's always there in a way. Revenge, retaliation, justice. But even those words aren't enough, a small voice whispers. They don't feel deep enough, big enough. What did I say to Nick? Punish them for what they did. Punish feels better. Punish feels right. Um, Bree says, I want to find who's responsible, use my root abilities, the title I'll gain, and the contract, the contacts I have to bring to justice anyone who was involved. Um... So yeah, so Patricia then is kind of trying to get to the bottom of Bree's actual abilities. Um, the fact that she can resist their um, oaths or hypnosis is what she calls it. She asks what else Bree can do. So she explains, so Bree explains how she doesn't just have sight or mesmer resistance, but she can smell castings. Um, she can feel cells gaze on her skin. And then about the mage flame, Mariah is like, it's me. she goes, she's just like, she goes, holy shit. And Patricia's like language, because you know you still with you, you still with your professor, you're still with the elders here. Like you have to chill, but also she's just as shocked. Um, she says, "And you've never called on an ancestor for these abilities, no. If you aren't asking to borrow these powers, they've been bound to you somehow." Bree is like shook. She's like bound to me, bound by who? You think I'm a blood crafter? No, I've never. Um, and then, oops, now I just ripped the page. Um, so then Patricia's like, I know this is why I've asked Mariah here today to get answers. Um, so that, so that's like, I think that I appreciate the, like, you know, obviously they have their own thoughts and feelings about, uh, bloodcraft, but in this case, they're very, it's very clear. Like Brie has, she's easy to read. So we know that like, she doesn't know anything about this. She's learning about this for the first time. She, um, whatever bloodcraft that has happened, it wasn't her who did it. Um, like clearly something else happened in the past. Um, so yeah, so that's why they brought Mariah here to try to connect her to her ancestors so that she can get to the bottom of what happened. Um, Brie kind of realizes she's like, you can help me talk to my mom, see her again. Um, Mariah explains that she can help her call for her people, but can't control who answers. So it could be like a great grandmother, um, 
I don't know that she doesn't have any cousins, but like, or aunts and uncles, but yeah. So somebody like on her line, but it may not be her mom. Um, Brie has a lot of emotions like swirling around, building up in her at the thought of like maybe being able to talk to her mother. Um, uh, yeah, it says, um, my chest is full of the sharp pang of loss and unexpected feeling of relief. When I imagine seeing my mother again, something I never thought possible, it feels like there are a thousand words that want to come out of my mouth at once. So very many that I cannot speak at all. Um, so yeah, so Mariah, uh, tells her that she'll amplify the connection between family members and then make the request. The ancestor who responds might be Bree's mother, but it might be a grandparent, great grandparent, etc. Um, Bree is then also worried, like, is her mom going to be angry at her? Right. Cause she's still like, they ended the last conversation they had was an argument. And so she still has that guilt and anger and like, she's been able to kind of push it away. Um, in this like pursuit of finding out what happened to her, but that's still there, you know? And then she's also like, would she, would she be proud of what I'm doing? Would she want me to stop? Would I stop if she asked me to? So that's, that's, that's a lot, it's a lot going on. Um, but Patricia says, we'll start slow. You'll just focus on your love for your mother. So she, she thinks, you know, thinks about all her like happy memories of her mom um and then patricia says focus on your love for her now imagine the love stretching back to your grandparents then back further like a strong thread connecting generations um brie thinks of it as a line which is not true um or not not true um and then um but she as she does she tries to imagine her grandmother as her mom described her but then as soon as she does um grease grief slices through her um, Patricia's like, it's all right. Take slow breaths. Uh, we're right here. You're not alone. I don't listen. All I can think of is loss. My loss of my mother, my mother's loss of hers. And what I didn't tell Patricia that my great grandmother died before my mom was born too. None of us met our grandmothers. And that um, is tragic. Yeah. It's crazy. And so then Mariah's like, there are wells of life, deep ones, but they're all separated, tied off from one another. Because death breaks our connection, Brie wants to scream. Death is not a thread. It's a sharp cut that severs us. Death separates us from one another, and yet it holds us close. As deeply as we hate it, it loves us more. Um, which is beautiful, but also it's interesting because it's not... Like, clearly something has happened here, but it's already been proven that death it does not break the connection because that's how Rootcraft works. They, they take root that they borrow it from their ancestors they have those direct connections to their people even after death and so it's interesting to me that even though she's seen that like brie still thinks of it in that way um which isn't necessarily like like i understand why again right like she's her family has been cut off in this way she hasn't met her grandmother and then further back like her mom hasn't and so like all of them are cut off but it's not death. It's like this other, as far as she can see, it's death. As far as she can see, it's death, but it's interesting that, and again, like there's grief happening. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's more than just like, she's not sitting here thinking about it in like a scientific or even like Detached. really logical way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's, it's not, it's a very real emotion that she's feeling in this moment. And so that's what she thinks of, even as we have seen like, for these other root crime, for Mariah, for Patricia, like 
that death doesn't break that connection. Um, but yeah, so, um, Mariah gasps, releases Bree's hands. Um, her eyes are wide and chest rising with rapid breaths and says something terrible happened in your family, didn't it? Bree is, it's all too much for her. She gets to her feet. Um, and then she runs away. Cause it's just like, she kind of realizes this is like the second time she's run away from Patricia, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's like literal though. Like she's literally running away from like, yeah. um, trying to confront her trauma. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that's where we end off. Um, all right, let's go to MVP. I um want to give Brie her props for mm-hmm. like doing like through all of this like turmoil and just like um like very like just like extreme experiences. She's done her literal best. Like she's showing up in yeah. the way that she can show up, and she's not um, trying to overcompensate for what she can't do in this moment. She's literally just doing what she can, and I think that is really commendable for of her. So I wanted to give her her points for that, and then I also made Mariah my an uh, MVP because she really. Like, she's shown out to me as we read these chapters because of her, I guess, like, bluntness. Like, as a Sag, I do value, like, bluntness. Um, <laughs> and while it was not well-timed, I love that her personality. It's not coming from a place of her, um, like, trying to, like, impose or be, like, um, come off a certain way, like, of being, like, like mean or, like, kind of, like, gra- like, a way to breathe. She's literally just, like... She can't help but to react in the way that she does to things. And I think yeah. she's, I think a way, a part of it is that she's probably trying to break to breathe, like, what her ability is. Um, and it doesn't really, she she probably, and it takes Bree's um, relationship with death because it's so much of how she perceives Bree to be. Um, as something like, oh, I can just talk about this because it's so much of a part of her. And she doesn't realize how Bree's not far on her journey of, like, actually building an understanding of how her life inter- interacts with death. Um, and isn't in a good place and understanding about that. So it's, like, not... Well, she's not perceptive for people's emotions, or at least Bree's emotions in this moment. But I think that her being willing to, like take Brie on the journey to connect her to her line and uh, I think her giving insights to um, without judging too harshly Brie um, to like be part of the black community at the university and like giving Brie like a an in someone who has like an understanding for how difficult it can be to be in white spaces as a black person, giving her like uh, an outlet for being like, you know, that it's crazy, right? That you're around those people all the time. Like, you do need to, like, that, like, it's not what you're going through there. Um, that's not great. Like, it's something that, like, you shouldn't have to subject yourself to. And, like, why are you doing, you know what I mean? Like, she gives Brie a moment to, like, question it outside of the lens of, like, I'm in this for my mother. You know what I mean? She gives Brie that kind of, mm-hmm. like, respite. And I think that Brie really needed that. 
and I appreciate that someone who's like a peer and not like because I feel like whenever it's an adult she kind of like oh y'all don't even like y'all don't believe I can do this or whatever but it's like Mariah showed respect for Bree's like uh, like abilities or whatever like and was like gave Bree that oh respect you got powers wow holy crap right um but also was like but you don't gotta be in there like that either so I, I really think that um, does more for Brie than, like, her just talking to an adult about it would have done. hmm Yeah. I also made Mariah my MVP, and then Patricia as well. Um, I think, just, again, just, like, for giving her that space and that, like, to really, like, unload, again, because, again, we were talking about, um, in the chapter before, and how, like, you know, everyone has different pieces of what's happening with her, like, Nick and Cell and Will all have different parts of it and she's not even Alice like she there are a bunch of things she can't tell Alice um and so she's been holding all of this in herself and not necessarily like there's no one person who knows everything that's going on with her and so them being that space for her and like making her feel safe enough to share and then also um yeah, just, like, providing her with that community that she has not had in this last week um, was just, like, good to see and, like, important. Like, even though it ended in a, you know, kind of tragic way <laughs> um, and, like, made her feel like, you know, she ran away at the end. But up until that point, she had, like, a space to feel all those emotions, explain how she's feeling or what she's doing. Um, and, like, not be judged for it, um, and still, like, have them offer help after learning all that stuff, you know what I mean? Still being, like, you know, like, Mariah, like, Mariah said, like, holy shit, like, this is crazy, but also, you know, we're still gonna help you, mm-hmm. not, like, oh, I'm done with the situation. Um, so, yeah, so that's why they're my MVPs. Um, and then Benched. Um, so, after all this, and then, you know, side tangent of, you know, like, just thinking through things. I was like, Arthur's line. Because Brie would not be in a situation. And her, because this is spoiler, pre-spoiler, whatever. But, like, her family's line, like, the the children would not be in a place where they could not have met their grandmothers had it not been for Arthur's sorry mm-hmm. line of mm-hmm. freaking freaking um, human traffickers and slave freaking owners. If they had not done what they did, then none of Bree's family would have had this thing where they don't have life long lifespans. They don't get to see their mm-hmm. grandchild granddaughters, because it's always daughters. Um, and they don't get to have relationships where they get to share out what they can do and like why they're able to do it like and it wouldn't it wouldn't burn through them so quickly so it's just like yeah i f arthur's line forever forever ever 100 percent. yeah they're they're uh arthur and the regents were my bench um arthur for all the reasons you said like he really just did like for all the reasons you said on top of like again the order like we keep seeing all of these things and like how horrible this setup is and how it like fucks up nick and cell and you know even william is terrified of these people and like we're getting all of these moments where it's just like oh no these 
folks suck and they suck because Arthur and Merlin for some reason couldn't just like leave shit well enough alone um and then on top of that like Brie again like her line has been like severed in this way because of them and they're like just destructive yeah yeah, like it's trash um so they're they're definitely benched I just want to specifically say Arthur's lines. I don't know who I don't remember at this moment. I can all of the pages. them. <laughs> I can flip to the pages. Yeah, and I can say who was the perpetrator. But f the whole line that continued to mm-hmm. stuff on f all of them. Honestly. Yep. Arthur and his folks as a record label set and crew, <laughs> all of that. And it's like <laughs> his bloodline. Um, and then also like the whole um, what's gonna say the like Arthur when Arthur did his big one. His big one resounded mm-hmm. for centuries, for generations. And this is Literally. what he is proud his proud legacy. And to be completely frank, this is so many white men's legacies that they aspire to, to have like to reverberate for centuries and generations, like upkeeping like capitalism and like patriarchal aspects. And F y'all mm-hmm. for that. Like that Arthur's big one is every like uh white uh, capitalist dream and it's just so disgusting and irritating it's gross. and I can't yeah I can't. absolutely but not to linger on the badass of things because although that's <laughs> a component of the story that does go on um, we will be talking more about more interesting and intriguing parts of the story as we get to chapters 33 <laughs> and 30 through 35 in our next episode so join us for that and thank you for listening to what we had today yeah um wizard team is part of the black nerds create collective if you want to keep up with our content you can check out our website at blacknerdscreate.com um and follow us on instagram and tumblr at wizard team pod and at black nerds create bye bye